Sometimes the world just needs a hero to help cut through all the noise. Well, now you have two. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to yet another amazing episode of the Heroes of Noise. I am one half of this dynamic duo. My name is And I am the other half. What's happening, everybody? My name is Dan, and welcome to episode 118 of your friendly neighborhood, Heroes of Noise. It's going to be a good show today, guys. I have a, a damn good feeling. And by the way, did you notice that I said guys? I wasn't talking to the listeners, okay, because there's guys and gals out there. I'm talking to the guys. And the reason for that, we have another guest this week. You have heard this man's voice before. It's like the voice of a of an angel, if you will. I mean, seriously, like, like the two voices that we've had on over the last two weeks, it's like taking Valium or something. You know what I mean? It just calms you down, makes you feel nice and at ease. Not well, that I do I that shit. That. I don't. I don't. I don't swallow it. I'll snort it. You know what I'm saying? So it's a little I, bit of a different. You don't effect. what? You don't what? I'm sorry. Uh, I don't. I don't swallow pills. Oh, okay. See, this is too early. <laughs> but. You know what? Let's let's introduce real quick, and then I'm going to get back to that, okay? So with us this week, from the newly revived Real Zodiac, we have the host of that show, good friend of ours, Quentin Taylor Roberts is with us. Hello, Quentin. Hello. It's so good to be here. Ooh, listen to that shit. <laughs> no, I tried doing a little bit of the, the, the buttering of the voice that you, you, you so kindly introduced me as. Quentin came in like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> that is hilarious. welcome to the show man we're going to talk about the revival of this show because it's no this is the third incarnation of it is that correct uh yeah yes yes i know it it seems that um as soon as like we get the ball rolling and everything it just shuts down but i know for a fact this one is going to be here to stay okay well we're going to find out why or i might call bullshit on you i'm not entirely sure what's going to happen just yet quentin but i'm really happy to have you here dude we'll talk about the last time i saw you and all of that stuff but first of all gentlemen getting back to steve's little childish you know swallow <laughs> reference so dumb so dumb steve but i do have a joke for you guys you want to hear it oh yeah always talking about yes. all right what did cinderella say when she got to the ball hmm I'm not even gonna. <laughs> not Thanks for holding off, Quentin. <laughs> she didn't even say it. She she was gagging. Dude, he just fucked my joke all up. But yeah, was, was that really? She said, <laughs> "I don't." <laughs> Come on, Steve. Are you serious, Steve? Okay, ask the question again. Oh my god, I fucking knew this just was just going to be a disaster if I did this. <laughs> I knew it. But fuck it, we'll keep it in. No, it, that's what she's like. No, but um, oh, that he gets. That he <laughs> no, gets. No, no, no. But tell me. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is some beats, but not all. I was so looking forward to saying this joke, and Steve, you fucked it all up. No, but, but anyway, oh, but how? Is one it? more time, yeah, okay? You don't have to say what. I'll just tell you, okay? Okay, okay? So the joke is: What did Cinderella say when she got to the ball? The answer is, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's not, it's not as good as the one that you made up, but it's good. Well, that was a fucking flop. But anyway, no, welcome to the show. <laughs> but that thing a lot for you, like the one you made up and did on the show is probably the funniest joke I've ever heard in my life. Like, well, you need to set your it, bar a little bit higher, sir. No, dude, because I was not expecting it, and it was you did the dice thing on it. Oh, it's over, dude. I laugh at it at work to this day. <laughs> I will be sitting there at work and just die laughing thinking about it. Well, for those of you at home, I hope you enjoyed that one. Welcome to the show. 
I love it. Now, uh, you know, Quentin now has to do a joke. Quentin, now you have to tell the show. Dude, there's only one joke that I know oh. that is so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> well, you're in the right show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it. It was actually a running joke on uh, How I Met Your Mother. And like, it was so annoying because they obviously couldn't say the actual joke on TV because, you know, it's not rated R. But. Um, then I heard it in Halloween two. I know this is really random. I heard it in Halloween two, the Rob Zombie remake. All right. So you ready? Do it. Um, what's the difference between jelly and jam? I'm clueless. You can't jelly a dick in two. (laughs) 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 It's so stupid. And I can't believe that like it was actually in a movie, (laughs) but then it was a Rob Zombie movie. But then I was like, okay, yeah, no, that, that works. You, you know, it's funny. I actually, uh, I was watching a documentary on Shudder and it had three people. It had Eli Roth. It had um, Greg Nicotero. And I was like, who the crap is that third guy? And I was looking, I was like, he looks like a hippie. And then they're like, this is Rob Zombie. I said, I didn't know Rob Zombie <laughs> yep. looked like that. I thought he looked like, like he wore dark nails. You've and- never seen Rob Zombie before? I did, but b- before he was much more like... Um, Marilyn Manson-ish. He wasn't like wearing the hippie dreadlock hat mm, and like... Yeah, he was. Was he really? Yeah. I thought he was like Marilyn Manson. Mm-mm. I had no idea. And his, you know, his his knowledge of horror movies. I was like, oh, wait a minute. This guy, he's a horror aficionado. But yeah, speaking of Rob Zombie, I was like, oh, interesting. Didn't know that was the guy. Do you know, have you, you've seen his wife, right? I have in, in his movies, unfortunately. i just want to know how we got that oh she's yeah she's pretty well you know women love rock stars man that goes a long way it really and also i have to have i forgot i just remembered i have to have an on-air apology dude you oh this will be good why i said something totally 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 out of out of uh sorts i shouldn't have said it um the other week we were talking about kevin smith and you said what about his wife and i was like she doesn't do it for me that's mean to say and I apologize. That's just mean. I should have been like, you know what? She's beautiful to er- to everyone's. Oh, stop it! I shouldn't have. Stop. Said there's that, a, you know what? Dude. There's enough of that shit in the world right now, Steve. I know, let's, but let's I grow a pair of balls. Dude. You I know what? Know. Hey, Kevin Smith's wife. I don't think there's anything wrong with you, but personally, I'm not attracted to you. That's there we go. I don't feel I, bad. I'm not losing any sleep. I know, dude. It was messing me up for the last week, dude. Yeah, but you, you just got to stop with the whole like everyone <laughs> beautiful shit. I know, but I was like, why did I judge her like that? People need to fucking focus right now. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> prioritize, okay? I saw your tweet, dude. That was a really good... Uh, fucking uh, prioritize for Pete's sake. <laughs> Jesus. Speaking of prioritizing, I have a feeling that we're gonna we're not going to have to worry about putting bars, gyms, and stuff in the priority list anymore. Because I think those are closing in T-minus. I was about to be like, when am I going to go back to the gym? No, dude. It's over, bro. I think we're just going to... I might have to build a gym at Dan's garage. Uh, you got your, hey, Mr. Smart House, build your own damn gym. I can barely fit anything in my Jeez, garage. Why you come out so freaking harsh, though? You it's been, been like, a week, G. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm highly, <laughs> like, no. I'm highly stressed out, and I don't appreciate you uh, living my life for me, Steve. Just hey. telling me where, uh, what space I'm going to lose for your personal needs. So you're pretty much saying, go ahead with your own life, leave me alone, huh? You know, I don't care what you say anymore. <laughs> this is my life. It took a second, but I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
I was too I busy being a grouchy it. dick to actually get anything. But yeah, I I'm with love you now. This episode, G. I <laughs> love this episode. I know Quentin's like, what are they talking about? Quentin, like, you guys gonna let me talk or? Uh... <laughs> it's like, what? why are they talking about my life? Hey, man, I'll be the most silent guest if you need it. No, 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 no. no we have you on floor, not with that voice. <laughs> that was old. That, that was old men songs part two. That's all. That's a segment we call grown folks music. Oh, so. All right, go for it. Okay, so let's get back to, we have a lot of things that we have to cover right up at the top, but before we do so, Quentin, let's talk about Real Zodiac. What what happened? Where are you at? What's happening in 2020? Well, I uh, decided that, you know, for a little while, I just, I needed a break. It was getting to the point where, and this is nothing to do with Amanda in any way, but I was just getting bored, not bored. Uh, like I felt like it was becoming more of a job than actual like fun. Mm-hmm. And that's not what a podcast should be. It should be fun. And so I needed to take a, a little break and the little break ended up happening for a longer period of time. And then I don't know. Like I just realized, you know what? This is stupid. I need to be doing something with this because people really enjoyed it. And that's not me trying to toot my own horn, but I mean, like whenever we went to Chicago, Dan, I had a lot of people asking, when is the real Zodiac coming back? And I just said, I don't don't know. I don't know when it's going to happen, but now, I mean, I feel reinvigorated. Like Amanda and I already have our plans for the next month set up for our new genre. I mean, we're finishing out the Toy Story films. It's been a lot of fun. I noticed that you're on Spotify. Are you still on iTunes? Yeah, I don't know what the hell is happening. I was talking to Paul about that because we had Paul on for Toy Story 2 and 3. Paul Hart? And he said that, yeah, Paul Hart, the the lovable Paul Hart, I should I should mention. And uh, he was saying that like the way that they approve iTunes shows. And I mean, we've already been approved, but I think it's just taking a while for maybe such a big like change because I took real Zodiac. Well, I didn't take it off, but I just, it was so dormant for a while that like nothing was coming out. And so I think it just needs that kick to restart and I'm giving it another week. If that's not the case, then I'm just going to start from scratch and then just go from there. Cause I want that. I want it to be on iTunes again, because that's like our main platform. Did I tell you what my intentions were for this particular show that didn't happen? No. What's up? Okay. I had a surprise for you. It didn't work out. So being that Real Zodiac is back and we're having you on, I thought it would be interesting to have your former co-host come on too. But unfortunately, Sean was not available. I was going to surprise you. Oh my God. Neither of you were going to be in the know. You were just going to start talking and go, hey, look who it is kind of thing. But that didn't work out either. Much like my joke earlier because of Steve. Hey, hey listen, listen. <laughs> I set it up wrong. I think that's what it is. I mean, it was a, the thing is, it was a solid joke, Dan. It was a solid joke. It was. You said joke or chode. I'm it was a solid chode, here. is what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm glad, I'm glad you were thinking about that with, uh, with Sean, because I got nothing but love for Sean. Um, him and I, whenever we stopped doing it, um, there was no bad blood whatsoever. Like Sean and I, we still talk here and there because he is a big part of my life, even though, we don't do the podcast anymore. Like I still value him very much. That was so sweet, dude. That sounded a little safe, Quentin. I'm just saying it sounded kind of safe. Kind of sounded like Steve when he's talking about all people are beautiful. I don't know if I believe you. Okay. That's fine. Just kidding. Sean's great, man. I was really (laughs) bummed out that we couldn't get him on, but uh, VZ, I know you're listening. It's coming, man. We want you to come on the show. So look forward to that, ladies and gentlemen. The thing about Real Zodiac was that's how I first met you guys. The first episode, was it your first episode that was the American Werewolf in London? 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was very entertaining, which is why I reached out to you guys. And look, here we are now. I know. What, over year and a half later or something like that? Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I felt like I was horrible on that episode because one, that was like my first time reviewing a movie. And I mean, everybody else is great. I think Sean did an amazing job and we had Blake on and uh, he was he was great. And I just felt like I... I don't know. I, I just, I felt like I wasn't ready. And uh, I don't know. It was, I, I feel like that was a very rocky show for me, but I'm glad that you enjoyed it enough to uh, reach out and compliment us. I mean, that made, that, that made Sean and I like so ecstatic. You know, you're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. No, seriously. You know what? I, what good, is, you know, a good show is a good show. That's the thing. And you guys were talking about something that I clearly loved. So that didn't hurt, but no, I thought you guys were great. And I would like to see, you know what, just a suggestion. I don't want to put you, you know, paint you into a corner or something like that, but perhaps maybe have him back on as a guest host one day, just for the, for shits and giggles. Maybe not. It's your show. You do what you want. For Sean or you? No, no, no. For Sean. Oh yeah. Sean's been on and Sean will be back. I mean, I, he's, I would like to reserve horror for him because he is such a horror nut Yes, that like, I, I honestly, and it was kind of like that. Uh, last year, whenever we were doing horror, um, like we had him pick a movie himself. I, you know, I feel bad now. I feel like an asshole because I missed that one. Now I got to go back, go through the collection, the catalog, and see what which one was that, by the way, because I will listen to that. Um, it was, I think, when I told him that he's coming on again for horror, it was the League of Our Own. Uh, was that episode because he came on for a sports movie because he's a big sports guy, and I wanted to make sure that his voice was heard. Well, that's the other reason that I wanted him on, too, is because what we're going to be talking about later. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Which is uh, the movie called Yummy. So I thought that would be a perfect fit for him. Didn't work out, but we got to keep on moving, man. So, Quentin, again, welcome to the show. I have some sad news, guys. Can I talk about some sad news oh, real quick? Please, yeah. Carl Reiner died this week. Uh, at 98. Yeah, Wait, you know Carl Reiner? I do. Are you familiar with his work? Yes. And I... I, I was so upset because I saw the news on pop culture leftovers. And then you guys uh, put it on the heroes of noise um, podcast community. And I was just like, God, I cannot believe that 2020 has really gone to shit. There are Eagles ripping sharks from the ocean right now. That's the kind of year we're having. Have you guys seen that? Oh my God. That was insane, bro. I don't know what's going on with this year, man. But um, yeah, the 2020 took Carl Reiner from us. Granted, he wasn't like 46 years old or something like that. He lived a fantastic life. I was all about what he believed in. And uh, most importantly, he made two of my favorite movies of all time, The Jerk and The Man with Two Brains. He also made All of Me. I don't know if you guys have seen that one, but that's another fantastic movie. I loved his comedy. And uh, Mr. Reiner, you'll be missed, man. I just wanted to give a little shout out to Mr. Reiner because God damn it, changed my life, man. That is crazy for me. Like, um, again, when you see the movies that he was involved in, even his face, you're like, I know that guy. He has, dude, he put in work, bro. He put in super work. So, yeah, we will. He is definitely missed. Hey, can I do contact information real quick? Go for it. Figure if we do this, we can get these things out of the way and get down to the nitty grit. Because you know how we are sometimes, Steve. We start talking and getting carried away. And the next thing we know, we have seven minutes left to do like four movie reviews. (laughs) (laughs) So so let's go ahead and let's knock that out real quick. Hey, what's happening, everybody? My name is Dan Ramirez, and I have a little show with my friend Steve. It's called Heroes of Noise. It's a podcast. And if you want to get a hold of the show, this is how you do so, all right? Listen closely. Pay attention. 
If you want to contact us, you hit us up at Heroes of Noise Podcast at gmail.com. That's Heroes of Noise Podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter as well, at Heroes of Noise. You can reach me personally at Dan Q Public and Steve at SE underscore Hudson Music. Go to www.heroesofnoise.com and check out what we have to offer there. You can see the old show, the words there. You can see our new show. You can add friend shows, subscribe there. You can voicemail. You can get merch, all that stuff. It's all right there. That's what websites do. It's nothing new. It's just what we do now. We're, we we finally got on with that, and it's starting to do something. So please, check us out. But more importantly, leave us a voicemail when you're there, all right? We love to hear your lovely voices. We want to know what you guys think of the show. We'd like to hear it from you. It's cool to read it, but we want to hear your lovely voices. And that's also how we find out who's going to be good on the show and whatnot, just so you know. A little backstory there. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, yeah. Join the Heroes of Noise podcast community and all that, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to turn it back to Steve to turn it back to me because I have some other things to talk about. So, Steve, do me a favor, right? Oblige me. Say something and then just give it back to me real quick, all right? Here we go. That was wonderfully done. Wonderfully eh, done. Not my and, best. Not my and, best. And I know people would like to hear more of your voice, so what else you got to say, brother? Hey, we have some iTunes reviews, guys. <laughs> uh, it's not often that we get to read these, but I was wondering if you mind if we did this because it's Absolutely. been a couple of weeks. We did ask if they could do that for us, and they came through. So would you mind terribly if we did so? Yeah. All right, let's do it. This one comes from... Oh, you might know this one, Steve. Uh, Angela Tem- Temu? Of course. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, better known as Favon, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go. Dan and Steve have amazing synergy. There is something special about each of them that creates a podcast that is entertaining, informative, and downright fun. One of the many things I love and appreciate about this podcast is that often when I'm having a not-so-great day, I can tune into an episode, the podcast, and find myself literally laughing out loud. Dan is quick-witted and talented. Steve is funny and intelligent. They are both amazing and dynamic duo. Has a <clears throat> excuse me has a habit of saving a day. And you can always count on Steve to rescue a cat out of a tree. But also, <laughs> cats, cockroaches, spiders. He he helps them all. Actually, Angela, I think you know that your family. But also, be quick to fight a kangaroo. Boom! Don't fuck with Steve and these kangaroos, man. I, I'm starting to have confidence in you. You know what I mean? But anyway, it says, I enjoyed this podcast so much, and I'd give it 10 stars if I could. Thank you so much. All right, so this one says, pop culture and music. This is coming from, oh, you know what? I'm doing old reviews here. Come on. You're really trying to get that self-esteem boost here. I know. Like, I feel like I'm, like, blowing myself right now. But you know what? We asked for them, and I just, and if we say that we're going to read them, then we should, right? Yeah. Y'all can just fuck off today, seriously. Like, with the joke, between the joke and this. Both of you, I'm going to, you know what, Steve, take over. I'm leaving. <laughs> Jeez, Fucking assholes. You're killing it, G. What are you talking about? <laughs> you guys are assholes. All right, here we go. Dan and Steve are awesome. Oh, and now I'm just going to sound stupid every time I read this. Heroes of Noise is more than a pop culture podcast. It's about life. I love it. They are engaging and fun. They are knowledgeable and love pop culture. The reviews are spot on and the guys are honest in their opinions. Give it a listen. That's from Shannon Wise. Thank you very much. Oh. I'm going to blast through these. Just a couple right. more, all right? I'm, my ego's not, you know, fueled enough yet. Here we go. Relatable humor and great reviews. This one's coming from 09 Lioness 72. Dan and Steve have great chemistry and we'll have you laughing out loud each week. Love their reviews of everything pop culture, music, movies, streaming. They do not disappoint. <clears throat> Excuse me. Awesome fandom as well. Keep it up, boys. And I think we might have just one more left and then I'll stop. Okay. Because it's ridiculous at this point. It says, uh, Heroes of Podcasts. This is coming from Fob Roris. Thanks, Steve. That's the actual name. By the way, you know, let me give some props to Fob Roris or actually Rob Force because again, he is the guy that created our new logo. So that's fucking Crazy. awesome. It's an amazing logo. It's pretty cool, huh? Like I had to get over my ego and realize like, yeah, this is the original one, but nah, fuck it. This is way better. So I love it. 
I listen to only, these are five star reviews, by the way, all the way down. I listen to only a handful of podcasts. I've tried dozens of different ones over the years, but for one reason or another, they just didn't do it for me. But Heroes of Noise has become one of the ones I really look forward to and listening to every week. Dan, the man, Steve are hilarious and have really great camaraderie. They review movies, music, and TV shows, but also talk about various other topics and sometimes even do some trivia as well. The reason that I'm stumbling over my words is for some reason, every time they put and, it says amp, and I'm not exactly sure why. Steve's laugh is infectious and worth tuning in alone just for that. Always puts me in a good mood. Even if he thinks he can somehow beat Sylvester Stallone in a fight, I agree with you, Bob, it's bullshit. And Dan's rock music knowledge runs deep and is great to get suggestions from for new music. There's even a Heroes of Noise podcast community on Facebook. It's a great group to be in because you get to know others and listen to the show. And we have a lot of fun talking to each other. I listen to the show while I'm working. Makes the time fly by. I always look forward to the next episode. Boom. Thank you. And then one, (laughs) I want to stop, you know, I'm going to save some of these for next week because we have Q on and I realized we have more than I thought we did. So, so far the ones I've read, thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. Please keep the iTunes reviews coming in. Let's get back to the show. All you, Steve. Also, uh, if you, I appreciate that Bob Roars only listens to a handful of podcasts and we are one of those wonderful, Isn't isn't that dope, Doug? I appreciate it. Every single person that listens to the show, I appreciate Honestly, oh, now, it doesn't, it's nice to not feel like we're just talking into the void anymore, you know? Hey, hey, listen, we, I never felt that way. I never felt that way. Only yeah, well, you're cocky. I am kind of. <laughs> Even if one person was listening. Only, and it's funny, talking about uh, the real Zodiac, I remember um, listening to an episode because I was like, oh, they're doing the Monster Project. I'm still mad at you, Quinn. I'm just letting you know that. I'm glad that you're bringing it up after <laughs> two years or so. I'm with you. That movie fucking sucks. I actually have a personal checklist of all the things that Steve is going to mention in this episode. <laughs> I bet you do. You, I did not appreciate it. I was like, why is, I don't, are we watching a different movie? But anyway. I'm just saying that maybe your opinion of me will change after this episode and what we're going to talk about today. I can't wait because I think you need to give months, both of you nope. need to get... <laughs> I'm not going back, Steve. Like I'm telling you right now, I'm not going back. <laughs> that movie's trash. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't understand. I really don't. Hot fucking trash. <laughs> don't. The brother was bad, but that's directing. You're, the werewolf transformation was legit. Lee, horrible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's a clip. That was fantastic. Oh, Clinton for the win. That's a clip. Nicely done, friend. Thank you. Thank you. I will say this, Steve, that I have a new way of thinking. I'm not going to say why. I think you know why. But I think that maybe I will go back and watch that movie again, being that it is a, um, to say the least, it's a low budget movie. And I want to see what they're working with and how they were able to turn that that low budget into something. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just rewatch that movie. And then I'll give you my thoughts again. I think it's going to suck, but I'll go ahead and do it. Why did you have to add that in there? Because it's true. <laughs> oh, it's like a back-headed compliment. Hey, you're pretty good looking for an ugly person. <laughs> the, the way you save on budget is make it a, a found footage film. That's how they did it. Found footage is always the win. I know, but I'm saying, you know, I'm talking about like special effects and stuff like that. Um, I want to interject. Please. Go. Steve, have you seen VHS? Oh, dude, come on. Yeah, man. Yeah, okay. man. That is a found footage film that really works. VHS and VHS 2 are some of my favorite found footage films. Those work. This did not. That's true. But found, when you, you were really giving found footage 
like some like that's like Spielberg doing found footage. Technically, it's found footage, but they had a ma- a good budget and be like, okay, let's make this a quote unquote found footage film and decrease the um you know the clarity of the camera so that it looks found footage. They had a lot of good equipment. I don't think Monster Project had that. I would you're right one hundred percent agree with you on that. Yeah, exactly. But but dude, VHS two that zombie on a bike one G. Holy crap! Did not expect that. Yes, the song that's on there is called like "Zombies Ate My Neighbor." I still blast that, dude. Is it called "Zombies Ate My Neighbor"? Yeah, the song that they use when he like starts changing and you see it through the GoPro, dude. I was on board. It was just a clever idea, and then they just went for the gusto on three. That's why I'm like, oh, you just—it was a money grab, mm, dude. Three wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. I it couldn't just, get through it. What? Yeah, I, I don't even know how it ends, or honestly, I don't remember how it begins either. Was there a magician? Yes, he was good. Okay. He, he looks like Johnny, but he's the guy that looks like Johnny Bucks, Dan. You want to know something? I'm going to make a confession. Uh, I've never seen any of the VHS movies. Oh, let's move on. Let's just fucking move on. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's fine. I'll take. I'll take it. Back. <laughs> oh my god, Dan! You haven't seen VHS or VHS? Hey, 2? punch me in the dick. I'm sorry. I haven't seen the movie. They're on Shutter. They're on Shutter. I will peep. Get them. Get them. Yeah. Just check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And the, the monster the funny project thing is, okay, yeah, I, I understand you're trying to like, you know, like go off of Steve's recommendation. Don't just go <laughs> off of mine. And <laughs> see with Steve, I feel like I'm like some, you know, not to, to make light of it, but I almost feel like it's a domestic violence thing. He just keeps slapping me down with these I bad do. movies and then being like, I I'm do. sorry, but this next one's going to be so much better. Well, and sometimes I, I save you, like yesterday I saved you from one where I was just like, you don't need to have these visuals in your brain. I text you, I was like, just don't. Yeah, do you have me curious about that, so I can't wait to talk no, about that. I, no, I, I promise, I promise. And this is not a joke. It's just something you don't need in your brain. Dan. Okay, Seriously, all right. You don't need it. In well, I want, I want to hear about it, so we'll talk about it in a second. Right. Hey, one more thing, and then we can get to the movies. Is that okay? Let's do it. So I have been slacking. I am sorry. Patreon people, I owe you some shout outs. I apologize. We'll make this super quick. Okay. I just want to thank the last few people that have joined up with Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com. Look up Heroes of Noise if you're interested and get bonus shows each month, sometimes two, sometimes three. Uh, I would like to personally see Steve get back to his triple threat, but that's another story. Yes, please. Maybe if I can have Dan on. Yeah, this is your thing though. <laughs> not my thing. All right. You're the DJ. You know what? Where was I? I'm the rapper. Okay, fine. Fine, let's do it. Anyway, I want to thank Michael Bruno, Stephen Farshid, Tara Wolfolk, Joe Stark, Michael Winkler, Darren Bass. Thank you guys so much for joining up with Patreon. We hope that we do right by you. Yes. And que tal, hermano? Thank you, by the way. Yeah, word, Michael Bruno. I know that was for you because I know you speak Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) You know. So do I. No big deal. You don't speak Spanish, sir. I I stumble through it. Yeah. I mean, I did understand what you said, so I guess technically you do, but You speak a few weird languages. Like you know certain uh like scanning things and I've heard you say different things in different languages. I was like, how does he know that crap? I don't know what you're talking about, Steve. Okay. Anyway. I will I will speak some Italian to you right now though. Oh. Non ci scazzo gats. Oh my god, dude. What does it mean? It means don't break my balls. Can we move along? Does that really mean? That? Yeah, that's what it means, really. Are you serious? I swear. How did you learn that? Uh, I don't know. You just pick things up along the way. When you're in Italy randomly? I was just hanging out at the Tower of Pisa, and I was fucking with this guy. This. You are you are very yeah, cultured, Somebody said it yeah. to you. Yeah, exactly. I was like, look at this guy. Look at his crazy sandals. He's like, hey, non ci scazzo gats. And I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty. And then I asked somebody what it meant. <laughs> you said that sounds pretty. <laughs> 
Anyway, okay. anyway, I know I'm sorry. I'm sucking on this one, but thank guys, you, thank you guys all. Thank you yes, so very much. Very much. We really appreciate it. The fact that you guys want to support the show just warms our damn hearts and makes us want to try harder. So thanks to each and every one of you. All right. Listen, hear that? I'm rubbing my hands together because I'm ready to talk some shit. You ready? That's a good hand. It really is. It really is. Um, Steve. Yes. You watched the, some, you were just, just getting back to what we were just talking about right now. You watched a movie this week that you found quite disturbing. And I would like to hear about this movie. Okay. So, okay. Um, this week started out wonderfully. Let me first say this. Um, my, uh, my son and I got together. Uh, we, 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 he, I said, do you want to watch a movie together? He said, sure. You know, he decided he's like, Hey, watch Coraline. I watched it. I fell in love with the movie. Everything was going wonderful. It ha- made me happy at the end. I said, why haven't I watched this movie before? And then later on, I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep on watching movies. I've watched all these movies. And then I c- stumble upon a movie called Exhibit A. And I said, huh. And it's an, it said award-winning found footage movie. And I said, I've seen found footage movies. Let's just calm down. So I start watching this movie. And it starts with a family. And the wife is very excited because her husband might be getting a, and it's the daughter taking these videos. And the, the husband might be getting a, a raise or a, a um, promotion. He's a shoo-in for the promotion. Dan, you've heard this. You are going to get the promotion because there's no way the dude that I just trained that's underneath me is going to hop me over for this promotion. So he comes home and the wife is like, so did you get it? And the Daughter zooms in on the dad's face and he's like, he's serious for a while. He's like, yeah, 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 I got it. She's like, great. Now we can get that new house. And it goes downhill from there. It goes. Okay. What the crap was that? Who, who, All right. Who, um, you got a Siri, Siri thing going on, Steve? Yeah. I, I didn't even say haste. Did I say, say anything? That thing's that spying sounds- on you, first of all. You know that, it's, right? Did you, you probably said serious, and that was all oh, you needed. Oh, that's exactly. You know what? You're right. That's what, that's what it is. Um, Watch. He's going to yeah, have a bunch so, of like exhibit A things in his Facebook timeline now. <laughs> I love that, by the way. I don't, I don't know why people get so mad. Like when I'm looking for something and I get on uh, Twitter and it's like, hey, guitars. I'm like, hey. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I, uh, it starts getting to the point on this movie where I don't like – um, like, I can't even say it. There's, there's a thing happens toward the, the end of the movie where you're just like, it goes on for entirely too long. And I don't know how people recorded it. And I'm not sure what they told the actors to do to make it look real. I don't know, man. And I was like, I didn't need to see this. I didn't need to see this at all. So immediately I text Dan and said, don't do it. You don't need to have this. This Cause if this thing really did happen, this was, this is how it looks. This is exactly how, how it looks. Okay, I think I know where you're going with this, at least to a degree. And don't just don't watch. So, trigger warnings, is that what you're saying? Yes. 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 And I wasn't ready. It was just a happy thing. And then, you know, as his wife is kind of, uh, dude, <laughs> just don't watch it. Is this the kind of movie where it's all taking place in one room or one setting? Nope. It's over the course of you're all, you're almost empathizing with the guy. Cause you know, you have to fake it. Your wife wants a new house, but how are you going to do it when this I'm totally lying? I didn't get the promotion and all these, these feelings start coming up 
you start getting yelly and vi- a little more violent than you normally are. And the, the, the daughter is noticing like, dad, why are you acting like you're acting very strange? And it's like, oh, at first you're empathizing and then it starts heading elsewhere. And you're like, oh, oh no. Don't. And then you're like, oh no. And you're like, ah, that was crazy. And then the movie is like, oh no, 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 you don't get it. You, there's a reason there's 20 more minutes in this movie. Mm. It's 20 minutes of a terrible act. And I didn't know why, especially now, why this, why this was, I don't know, man. Just don't watch it. If, if, um, I, I wouldn't, if you have a family, you probably don't want to watch this movie. That's what I'll say. Quentin, what do you think, man? Are you going to watch it? Cause I, I know I am. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. I knew it. It's like, don't press the giant red button on the wall. Whatever you do, do not press this button. That I'm looking at the button right now, Steve. I know. And here's the problem. Quentin's going to love the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Sick bastard. At the end, you're going to be like, that was horrible, the ending. But you're going to be like, yeah, that was a found footage movie that I think it's all in the editing. They knew how to edit a story. And you could tell that this was not a, this was, I think they use a legit handheld like camera camera because it looks even the, they even, it seems like they use the microphones off the camera and because you're like, it, it pulls you into this family and you're like, Oh, everything is going great. Oh crap. Like you realize things are about to go left really quickly. I'm on IMDb right now and I'm watching in silence. I'm watching the trailer go. Yeah, I'm totally watching this shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I think, in fact, I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to go. I mean, park- you can tell by the trailer that it's a good, you can tell by the trailer like, oh, I'm in on this movie. Yeah. I'm going to go the second half of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to go straight into exhibit A. You're watching Hamilton? Well, first of all, you, you want to rate this one? Okay. Yes. I'll rate it. Um. And for a found footage movie, I'm giving it three out of five. Like a lost teeth, fat lips, something like that? Um, child smothering. Oui. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I'm probably watching this. Like 100% I'm watching this movie. See, I, <laughs> you think I'm playing, though. No, I'm I don't. Ser- I don't think you need that in your brain at all. It's been a week, Steve. I want to see some other people suffer instead of myself. Selfish, I know, okay. but I'm, it's what I want to see. No, actually, you just have me curious. I want to check it out. I mean, the thing is with me, I think I need a movie to like to shock me, to make it me will. feel something. Because, you know, they can't all be happy endings. They can't always be zombie werewolf movies or whatever. Like, I, I think that sometimes you need to see some really disturbing shit to kind of check you. At least that's how I feel. So that's why I'm intrigued. And I love how you're going to be able to say, both you and Quentin are going to be able to... Um, understand as especially as married men how the only thing that that you care about is pleasing your significant other like seeing the smile on their face and knowing they're like so are we gonna get it you have two possibilities down this road you can either be like no and see the face go oh or you can be like, yes, and I'll figure it out. Whatever happened to families supporting the other one? Like, hey, I know. <laughs> you know what's tough break? I love you, but you didn't get it. We'll just carry on. What happened to that? I know. I, but you could understand in a, bra- a person's brain where it's just like, I will just have to figure out how we're going to get this thing you want. That's how we're going to have to do it. I think that the, I'm just guessing. I'm, I'm thinking that the wife and the daughter are the antagonists. Okay, here's what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> 
she's only acting the way she is because like she'll be like so did you put in the the money for the and he'll be like oh i was supposed to do that today and she'll look up on him you were supposed to do that yesterday we need this house we're supposed to have that in but she's only acting on what he told her was the reality of the situation okay I'm still thinking she's the antagonist. I mean, maybe she gets what's coming to her. I don't know what this movie's going to show me at but the end. Here's the thing. If you tell me that you got the thing and we're going to have the house, I'm acting as if that's happening. So what? what is she supposed to do? Maybe not be a bitch and force him to like have to lie. Like he's already said, like if I tell her this, this is going to happen. Because it's happened several times throughout the course of our marriage. They do elude. They do elude. They do so elude. now I'm forced to lie because I've yes. given up for lack of a better term, the control of the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now and I'm forced yeah. to cater to her or else I'm going to, it's going to be bad. Well, guess what, baby? Sure. Joke's on you. And there's a part, and I was like, this is where, there's there's actually a point where um, you see the, the switch. You're going to see it. You're going to see the switch that happens where it's just like, when the world, the, 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 the pressures of the world finally break you, it finally happens. And you're like, oh no. Like it finally happened. It's it's and I don't know who made the film. I forgot to look up the director, but it's enough for me to say, I mean, I want this person to do nothing but found footage because that this is probably as far as super duper for real low, but low budget found footage. I haven't really seen anything like this before that really was like, oh, well, I have, but not in recent years. It's just like, man, this was disturbing. I had to watch something happy after. I, I mean, I legit had to watch like, okay, let's let's. I had to watch that that uh, try to right when you text, you're like, hey, try, and you said the show that we're gonna be talking that you're uh, gonna be talking about today, and I was like, good, and I just turned that on. I was like, oh, Jesus. How long did you last with that, that one, Steve? Uh, which one? The one that I suggested. Fifteen minutes. <laughs> Okie dokie. All right. But no, but it wasn't. The thing is, it was one of those that were like, oh, this is pleasant. I'll come back to it. But there was nothing like, hold on to your seat. It was just like, oh, I can see myself. If it's all going to be like this action pack thing in the beginning, I'm, dude, it's over. I'm in. I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. This is over because I love the action. So I'm in. Okay. Well, we'll talk. We'll get to that one in just a second. So right. again, your rating was it three out of five? Three out of five. Three out of five. All right, cool. Three out of five busted lips. Understood. Q, you got anything, man? Did you watch anything that we uh, weren't planning on talking about? Okay. Um, I'm going to start actually with a show that I um, started, I mean, maybe three days ago. It's called Crazy Delicious. Have you guys heard of it? I've watched the first season. Crazy Delicious. Is that the new one that just came out? Yeah. Like the competition show? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking Ugly Delicious for a second. So no, I, ha- I have not seen this one yet. Please talk about it. I'm sorry. Dan is right. I'm thinking Ugly Delicious. Oh, you're fine. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. So it's a cooking show. And the way I described it, it's like a 180 to uh, Nailed It because I didn't really watch a lot of cooking shows until Nailed It. And I was like, man, I wonder what like actual cooks can do in the kitchen. Well, this one is perfect for those who like want that fix of seeing actual cooks like create some of the weirdest and coolest foods I've ever seen. Um, it basically has uh, a set where everything is entirely edible and um, like you can use that to your advantage. But that's also one of the downfalls of the show is because 
you don't see them use a lot of like the more obscure things. Like they just go for like apples or carrots that are growing or stuff like that. But the, the basis of the show is there are three parts. And the first one is you have to use a special ingredient and it's always three cooks. So you have the special ingredient and you have to fuse that into whatever you're making. So for um, one of them, it was strawberries and they had to use strawberries in an inventive way. And this one guy made strawberry cheesecake, buffalo wings. Yo, I'm going to say that again. Strawberry cheesecake, (laughs) buffalo wings. I heard you the first time and I'm glad you said it again because it just took a second to process. Strawberry cheesecake, buffalo wings. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. Yes. Well, are you in? Because I think in order to, oh, I'm in. You well, in order to like that, you'd have to like blue cheese, right? With your wings, right? No, I, you wouldn't use uh, blue cheese. You'd use like a cheesecake dip. You know, like that's that's where you kind of get it. That's what I'm thinking, at least. You know, like I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't go with like a sweet wing and then fix it up with like what I'd eat, like a honey barbecue wing. You know, like you. You have to have like the flavors to enhance it. You know, look at me. I'm sounding like I'm on the show here. Look at this judge <laughs> yeah. right here. Be like, you have to have the, the proper measurements. <laughs> <laughs> I like to have a little buttercream when I <laughs> sift the flour into the buttercream. <laughs> but it's it was a really cool it was a really cool concept. And then like the, um, then whoever wins that round with the crazy or i'm sorry the special ingredient they get an extra 10 minutes on the next thing which is a reinvention and you have to basically reinvent either a burger or a pizza hot dog like stuff like that and um another example of that is this guy he was making a um spaghetti and he ended up making a giant rainbow ravioli with tinier raviolis in it and like it's supposed to be, you know, like a reinvention, but it has to taste like that thing. They did a grilled okay. cheese. Oh my god, it was so cool how they came up with these. And they're saying foods I have never heard of, you know. And I'm just like, okay, I don't even know if that really exists, you know. <laughs> and so, like, to see them make it, and like they have pictures that go with what their final product is, dude, it's so much fun. So what's what's this uh, grilled cheese? Don't skip over that. Ah oh, man, I gotta, I gotta remember. Like I remember uh, this guy; he was making a grilled cheese, and um, oh no, it was a girl. She made like a f- deep fried grilled cheese, but she put spam and cheese in it. But like right away, that one of the hosts says, "I hate spam," you know. So like this better, this better be good because I don't want it. Like I don't like, I don't like spam. And she made it. and I don't want to give too much away, but like. Basically, it was very reinvented. It was really cool. Okay. Um, But yeah. And then after the reinvention, um, one of the people has to go home. So whoever, like, whoever's dish kind of let them like, eh, that was okay. They have to go home. And then the last two have to make a final feast that they basically get four hours to construct. And this one guy had to do a, I think it was like a birthday party. And he made a cake out of macaroni and cheese, um, lobster. It was a lobster bisque mac and cheese. That sounds amazing. And then he made peanut butter and jelly, or no, peanut butter ice cream burgers with it. 
Yeah, I'm not mad at that either. Peanut butter ice cream burger. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Like, it's such a weird concept. And like, immediately whenever they're like, all right, uh, go out into the forest and start foraging for your ingredients. I'd literally just be sitting there like, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. You know, like, you don't know right away. And I mean, this could all be, obviously, it could all be staged. But like, I would like to think that they are coming up with this on the fly, you know? I would think they are. I think I think it's legit. I mean, just regardless, just accept that it's legit, regardless of whether it is or not. Right. Just be like, yeah. I'm going with it, man. I the first episode, one of the girls was having like a a breakdown because she felt like she wasn't having enough time. And the host, um, her name is Jade Adams, and she she has the same energy as Nicole Byers, but just not as loud. Which I don't have a problem with Nicole Byers being loud because I mean she is hilarious, but like she's really good at calming down the people and like she gave her a pep talk and i'm sitting in my bed at like 12 30 a.m watching this show and i'm like shaking my head like yeah you got this girl and i was like what the fuck is going on you know like i've never been this into a cooking show before i had so much fun watching this but it's a weird concept that is awesome I get Netflix screeners and that was one of the ones that popped up, but I was too busy watching what we're going to talk about in a little bit to check that one out. But it was intriguing to look at it. Just the, the thumbnail art or the art for it looked really cool. And then I did watch a preview and I was getting like a real Willy Wonka vibe off of it, at least as far as like the, the background and what they go through to get all their food and everything like that. So I'll check it out yeah. for sure. I like cooking shows. I love to cook. So yeah, I will definitely be checking this one out. And all the judges are called gods. Like they, they refer to them as gods. Wow. <laughs> it's got like a, I feel like it's got a very like Greek feel to it too. Like they're, nice. up, they're up in Olympus. So I like competitions. I'm in. Uh, did you rate that one yet? Dude, I'm going to have to give this five out of five lobster bisque cheese freaking beautiful. <laughs> whatever like you're just gonna <laughs> you guys are just gonna have to watch this shit because it is so sure. insane i love it oh one of the hosts is from nashville and she is so funny and that that's all i got that's all i got hey steve huh do you think that um our guests come on and they're like fuck i gotta think of like five out of five stupid shit to say that's like the worst part of the show yeah For i think sure. so too. no not the worst not the worst part of the show but i think it's it's definitely something like oh that's right they do that thing yeah we do a thing we're wacky and zany like that <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, do you mind if I, I'm going to do two only because the first one's so short. Fair enough? Go for All it. All right. So I've only gotten halfway through this because it dropped at midnight this morning and I stayed up late and I didn't realize that the whole thing is almost three hours long. I should have. I love going to musicals. And this is the one that I've really wanted to see for a long time. I really wanted to see this one live, like in person, because there's just something about checking out a live musical that makes it what it is, you know, and, and resonates with you. But I also didn't want to see the off-Broadway version and get the watered-down version because there's some serious talent in this. What I'm talking about is Disney Plus dropped Hamilton last night or this morning at midnight. Yeah. And um, let me just tell you real quick, if you're not familiar, that must there's probably like two of you out there that aren't. Yeah, what is Hamilton? Like, I don't, what, what are we doing right now? says, the real life of one of America's foremost founding fathers and first secretary of the treasury, Alexander Hamilton, filmed live on Broadway from the Richard Rogers Theater with original Broadway cast. It's directed by Thomas Kale, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who also stars in this, as well as Ron Chernow. Stars Lin-Manuel Miranda, Philippa Sue, David Diggs, Jonathan Groff. By the way, do you know who Jonathan Groff is? Oh my God, yes. I had no fucking idea that this guy could sing. Jonathan Groff, uh, if, if you're not familiar with that name and you've seen Mindhunter, that's Holden Ford. 
who's a very interesting character in itself. Uh, but I had no idea. He plays King George the Third, I think it is on this. And did not know he could sing. Neither did I. But he comes out and he kills it. He's in Glee. That's how I knew he could sing. Okay. Well, I don't watch Glee, but that makes a lot of sense now. So maybe maybe people that don't like that kind of stuff. I'm talking about this Glee. Guy talking about Look, oh, listen. you know, Glee. <laughs> don't say nothing about Monster Project, bro. Ever in your life. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> you Ever in your life. Steve, right now you could just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I was werewolves versus bad covers of Don't Stop Believing. Basically all it is. Can we just go on? Let's just go on. But we, you know what though, Glee doesn't have that dude like, "Hey, brother man, how you doing on the flip side?" So you know what, Glee probably—they were—they were gonna win without that guy, Steve. Glee was gonna win. I, I guarantee it would win. But still, I see your point. All right, go for it. Yeah, but anyway, that was like one of the. I don't really have a whole bunch to say about this because I, I'm halfway through it. I can tell you, I really do enjoy the music. I've made it a point to like not listen to the music because I just wanted to get the. You know, it's sort sort of like how you don't like watching trailers of movies, Steve. I wanted to get the firsthand experience and just make my own guys. Nice. And I really enjoyed it. I had no idea David Diggs was in this. So there's like people in here that I just, I mean, my only experience with David Diggs, honestly, was um, up until recently with the new um, Snowpiercer show was, of course, Blind Spotting, which we both saw together. We loved that boot too. We walked out like, yo. We walked out all like, damn, let's talk about this in the parking lot for like 30 minutes. <laughs> we should have just hit record right there. But yeah, Dude. I was really surprised, man. Like, I had no idea that I knew he was like a rapper or he he did poetry or something like that. But I, to watch him do this live was really impressive, man. Really cool. And then there's another guy by the name of Anthony Ramos that's in this. Does that name ring a bell? Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me look. I, I, I the name doesn't ring a bell, but I'm sure the face will. Did you see a Star Is Born? No. Oh yes, I did. Okay, so that's her friend, her gay friend that goes and that's like introduces the two of them. Oh, I look, I'm looking at him now. He he looks he looks familiar. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Very talented as well. So I've got nothing bad to say about this so far because, well, I don't think I'm going to anyway, but I'm only halfway through it. But on the halfway mark, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this a straight up five out of five. And I don't have anything for it because I've only watched half the show. There might be something witty down the road that I, I'm going to miss and then I'll regret it because that's how crazy I am. But this is a five out of five. If you haven't seen Hamilton and you don't want to wait for the, you know, for the world to open back up and go see an off-Broadway version or a Broadway version for that matter, Check this one out with the original cast. It's it's really good. And I was also surprised because I think that Hamilton may have the most amount of um, profane words than anything on Disney+. Plus. It's all like shit and stuff like that. But you don't really hear that in the Disney Plus catalog, right? You just don't ever. I mean, they're changing movies no. to be on the PC side. So it was kind of nice to see that. Not that I need profanity, but it was nice to know that Disney didn't just cut it all up for the sake of you know kids watching or something like that. So yeah, that's Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. You should check it out, ladies and gentlemen. I do got a question for you, Dan. Yeah. Uh, tickets were upwards in the 400 to $700. Mm-hmm. Is it that good? Um, I think it is if you are really, really into theater, Broadway theater, Broadway musicals. You know what I'm saying? Like, if that's just what you're going to do anyway, because, well, okay, let's see. Let's put it in perspective. So, like, say, what was the last really big one? There was Kinky Boots was a big one. And that one on Broadway had Brendan uh, Urie from Panic at the Disco. And that one was selling for a lot, too. And then, of course, the original cast of uh, Book of Mormon. That one was going for a lot, too. I remember when you could not see Book of Mormon. And I, I missed it a couple times around. The producers, too, was pretty. Yeah. Like a big deal with Matthew Broderick. And- yes. I mean, most of those are. Like, what's the other, another one that's uh, really expensive right now? Oh, the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. That's another one. That's a Never two-parter. Not even so, yeah, that shit gets expensive. So, if you're into that kind of thing, I personally would not spend $400 on anything. 
like I wasn't going to buy tickets for Rage Against the Machine and, and uh, run the jewels, which were like 130 starting out. I just wasn't going to do it. Guess what? I'm going to do it now. But anyway, that's another story. So I guess it just really depends on if you can afford it and, and how much your love of Broadway musicals are. But I think it is a very good one. From what I've seen so far, I think if I had to watch this in the theater, this might be my favorite one next to Book of Mormon. Really? I, I haven't watched the whole thing yet, so I really don't want to say that, but it's going that direction. Okay. I see. I like theater. My first, quote, like grown up, not grown up, I was 13. But I had like a, you know, my mom put me in a tux and made, you know, had me take her out to the L.A. Um, Metro, the, uh, the Metropolitan Opera House to see uh, Phantom of the Opera. This massive production. And after that, I said, oh, I didn't know you could do this in like the production, like the chandelier fell, all that kind of stuff. And I said, you know, this is this is something I'd like. And so since then, I'd gone, I've gone to a few, you know, really good plays. But when they were like, hey, Hamilton's coming to the Pantages, get in the lottery and pay this much money. I was like, I don't know if I want to see it that bad. Not all tickets are going to be that much, though, Steve. I mean, you're probably talking about orchestra, the first maybe 10, 20 rows. Oh, well, I know in New York, it was everywhere was like $500, $400, all in the city because they were so rare that you could just charge whatever. As it came to the Pantages, it was just a lottery. And they're like, you have to be here, though. You can't send in your lottery. You have to come to L.A., put in the lottery. If your voice is called, you can go. If it's not, you just go home. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I want to see it that bad. I don't know if I want to risk a four-hour trip just to get there and be like, oh, you didn't get called. And so I'm glad he finally, I mean, it wasn't, you know, he got a hundred, what, million dollars for this. And so I'm glad he finally put it up on Disney+. Plus. I know my mom, you've, you've proven me wrong because my mom texts me. She's like, hey. Do you have Disney Plus? I said I'm 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 borrowing. Uh, well, yes, I do. Let's just say that. <laughs> and she says, "Oh, I said why?" She said, uh, "Something's you know I want to watch something." I was like, "Mom, don't tell me you're doing this for Hamilton." And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm going to." And she's like, "Oh, wait a minute." And it was Portia on the other line, and she's like, "Never mind, we're good." I'm like, "Is this that big of a deal? Like this is a thing." <laughs> I didn't know it was this big of a, I didn't know Hamilton was like this for people. And so I'm like, this is beautiful, man. This is, people are going crazy for art. I love it, man. I love it. And you know, I think that with the way the world is now, that it would be a, a good, like I kind of get it. Like if you're watching it on Disney plus, like I was, it does sort of take away from the general, um, the word I'm looking for from like the, the, how grand it is. You know what I'm saying? Like it does take away from that because you're watching on on a small screen, whether you're, it's a big screen television or not, it's not live. It's not a theater. I think that it does take away a little bit of that, but considering what we're going through right now and the whole world's kind of still figuring out whether or not it wants to open up or close down. I think it would be great if they did this for everyone because this one was done in like what, 2016. So I'm wondering if there are other musicals out there that have video footage already ready to go. Granted, not everything is Hamilton. But I would love to have them do that for Book of Mormon. Like, I think everyone should see Book of Mormon. That's a fantastic musical. But, you know, pick your musical. I think it would be nice to be able to not worry about social distancing or, or the virus itself and be able to sit in your home with your family and watch these things. For a, I would pay for them to do that. Like, I would much rather spend, shit, I'd probably go 50 bucks. If I was 50 bucks to see the musical that I wanted to see, knowing that my family was going to be watching it with me versus spending, you know, 100 plus for a ticket. I would totally be on board for that. I have a question for both of you. Yeah. Picture, picture a world where the uh, tomorrow, 
huge announcement comes out. It's a, it's a, it's a channel called Concert TV. And it's every live concert you've ever wanted to see. I'm talking about not just Queen, but every single Queen, every single one of Queen's videotaped concerts they've ever done. Not just Elton John, every Elton John concert that he has videotaped, not just Prince, every print. And it's just lines and lines and lines and lines. Would you pay monthly for concert TV? Uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I mean, totally. I would, I, for the Beatles, I would pay like at least 50 bucks. Oh, Dude, I, I'm shocked no one's done this yet. It's like, yeah, concert TV. People would just be like, let's let's see what new concerts they have this month. They're like, yeah, you could just see any concert you want that's been because re- most people would use all their time checking out old concerts, watching The Who or watching The Stones or whatever. But you could see it at home in the comfort on on your couch on your big screen and sing along with the songs. I think it would be dope. Yeah, if you got a good surround sound system. Yeah, the drinks aren't seventeen bucks a piece. Listen, you don't listen. have some some heavy guy like sweating on you in the crowd. Yeah, no, and he also and uh, Billy Joel does my does. Uh, um, mm-hmm. I know where you're going, Steve. You're bringing up old <laughs> shit again, huh? He actually does um, just the way you are. Just the way you are. He actually does that song. I would, but I would want to see it like for Stevie and. Uh, Bootsy Collins and Earth, Wind and Fire. I'd be able to be like, just watch those concerts. Yeah, all like when they're in their heyday. Yes, in their prime, dude. You're like, oh, this is why people love them now. But like, yeah, this is why. You know, a Marvin Gaye, the Motown Review. You know, you'd be like, oh my god, dude, that would be a great channel. I do appreciate that there are a lot of bands now that are taking advantage of you know what we're going through, and they are putting out. Like every Monday, for instance, I, I don't know what, you know what, it just, it's just the way the show works, but let's take Metallica, for instance. Um, they're doing that every Monday. They have, a, I think they call it Metallica Monday because that's fucking lame and that's exactly what they would do. But every Monday they do that. I know there's other bands that do that too, but yeah, I think you're onto something and I bet you we're not too far away from it. At least some version of that where you can pay, you know, maybe it's not every single show they've done or that they've recorded, but maybe their best ones or something. I would oh, totally no. pay for that shit. I would spend, okay, here's the question. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay, let's just put it that way. Every single show that you want to see, how much are you willing to spend a month? Ooh, Q, how much are you willing to spend a month? Well, I said 50. Oh, that's right. He did say 50, Steve. Yeah, but like, I don't know. That might actually be the minimum. I'm sorry, dude. I watch a lot of concerts just because like, I I love the experience. Um. I probably spend up to 50, maybe to 75 a month. I would do that. What if it's also on mobile device? Still 50 to 75? I mean, damn it. You wanted me to go on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to do the service, Steve. Leave him alone. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I'd pay not, I mean, if it's $100, Ooh. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying that they would ever do that, but like for a month, no, but I mean, for for a fact, they probably go twenty five fifty. Um, I feel like in that, but that's uh, the most I pay is seventy five. What about you, Steve? I think on mobile, also, I would probably pay the most I pay is about where you're talking about fifty is where I'm going to be like, okay, this is worth it, only because YouTube exists, and that's the only thing. Right. If YouTube didn't exist, I don't know what I wouldn't pay, and especially if they tease us since um. You know, Prince's family has, uh, you know, rights to all of his stuff. He recorded every concert he did. So I'm like, 
that catalog by itself is going to be, I do, I would be like, I'm probably going to have to pay money for that. What about you, Dan? That's probably about what I'd be, $50, $75, something like that. Because honestly, I used to go to so many concerts a month. Back in the day, I mean, like in a year, we're talking in the double digits of concerts that I would go to. And that's not including like just local live shows and stuff like that. Yes. I spent a lot yes. of money. So it makes sense. You know, when you're spending, you know, I, I never go to a show by myself unless I'm like buying my own ticket and then going with somebody. But like, you know, when I'm buying for the family or just for Gail yes. and I, that shit adds yeah. up quick. And then you mentioned, or uh, you talk about the, like the ticket master service charge and stuff like Jesus, that. Dude. It all adds up yeah. again, rage against the machine and and, uh, run the jewels is like $130 starting. So I, yeah, I think I would pay for that. I think a 50, 60, 75, I'd have to think about it because I do have a lot of streaming services. So, you know, there might be some juggling or something like that involved, but yeah, I'm in for sure. That's what I I was thinking. Imagine being able to say, okay, like Dan, you've gone to a million concerts. If you're able to like, you're going to go to the search bar, 1990 Metallica Fresno save or uh, Fresno, um, what you call it? Um, Salandarina. And mm-hmm. it just comes up and you're able to watch it again. Like, that's crazy. You're like, I remember this. Yeah, but I've been there already. Oh, Dan. I would move along. I still watch the concert that I went to, uh, the Prince at, uh, say, at uh, what you call it, all the time. Just because I remember What's, Staples What you Center call it? Where? Oh, Staples, Staples Center. Center. Okay. Yeah, the opening night we went. And I remember every second of it and being like, oh, my God. This is the first time, because I wasn't, you already know the story. I wasn't a Prince fan before that. That was my first uh, foray into Prince. It was her, uh, Maja's mom being like, please go to the Prince concert with me. And I'm like, okay, fine. And after that, I'm like, I think I just, <laughs> I just witnessed the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I didn't realize how many songs, but yeah. So I would probably rewatch all those, like Q said, the Beatles stuff. Remember, they only toured for what, Q, three years, four years? Um, like, yeah, we're not the, anymore. And like to add on to that, Steve, like I would pay top dollar just to see a stadium tour of the Beatles right after they or right in the middle of recording or right after recording Rubber Soul. That is like the peak that I feel like they oh, my God, dude, like I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Like <laughs> that is probably going to be one of the best concerts that I could see. I mean, minus the all the people screaming. That's the hard part. Yeah. But I would pay so much money to see just that right before they, they decided that they're not going to tour anymore. And they created one of the best albums ever revolver. Anyway, listen, listen. and the funny thing is like, I would love seeing that because I think you would be able to tell by their performance that they're like, this is for the birds. We're kind of done doing this whole thing. And like you said, you're right. They're right on the tipping point of, um, going into this i would love to see it i you're right i would absolutely love to see that it would be great i think in 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 general since we don't have vh1 we don't have the vh1 that dan and i remember we don't have the mtv that dan and i remember we don't have the box we don't have the box that dan you know all these things are gone and so it's like we don't get uh behind the music and all that stuff if you have a concert tv and it also shows like hey this is the concert also associated with this concert are behind the scenes footage their rehearsals Oh my ready God, Steve. Like, dude, what would you be like? Oh my God, I'm watching them be like, oh, we got to take down that screen. Oh, we got to pull down this. Yeah, we got to do this thing. All right, cool. Let's do it. Pump me up to $100. I, I pay $100 for it. Listen, I think we're on to something. You're not kidding. <laughs> I am. I want to, 
I would love to hear like what it would be called. Like if I know I'm putting you so on the spot, Steve, that like you are going to just be like, I, what would you even try calling that? Cause I mean, concert TV. Yeah, that'd be cool. But man, like I want it, Steve. Damn it, dude. I think it would be, I, I would probably call it like backstage pass where it's just like, yeah, this is, you're getting the whole shaboggle from them performing, them doing this, them, uh, and then them putting up the stage, figuring out how they're going to do the rehearsals. Because I know a lot of these groups, especially people like Metallica, they have so much footage of them rehearsing. And because they've put out documentaries and all this stuff, if you could right. just do all that and then have it associated with the concert, be like, yeah, you click on the concert, be like, would you also like to watch the rehearsals and the mm. putting up the stage and doing all this stuff? Like, that would be the, I, I don't know if I'd watch anything. That's the problem. I don't think I'd watch anything else. I'd have to cancel Netflix and Hulu. I literally would not do anything but watch that. Exactly. I would just watch that. See, they and could branch off on that, actually. They could be like, if they called it Backstage Pass, right? But you wanted the extra stuff. You want to see the sound checks. You want to see them pulling into the arena, setting up, you know, the green room, all that kind of stuff. Dressing room is what I'm trying to say. They could go like VIP lounge and charge you like an extra seven Gee, bucks. Listen, yeah, Backstage man. Pass Premium or something oh, like that. Oh, my goodness. I think we are literally just coming up with something here. I, I don't think folks understand how many people like us would actually, because you don't need a million people paying $20. All you need is a bunch of random, crazy fans like us paying 100 <laughs> And enough people would be like, oh, yeah, I'll watch four hours of, uh, you know what I'm saying, of uh, the Beatles trying to figure out how they're going to do this live show. Yeah, I will watch that. Oh, I'm crying just thinking about it. <laughs> Dude, how crazy would it be just them rehearsing and then uh, dude it would just be amazing and then maybe at the tag of the end of the concert you could put this was the last concert the beatles did it would Shut be like up, oh man. my god dude it would be like, <laughs> it happened. like i watched it them walking off the stage is the last time for the last time oh yeah. dude. okay i have to ask now because q i it seems to me i'm guessing maybe like the last let's just say the better part of a year You've been hardcore Beatles. Yes. What happened? What's your experience with getting into them? Did you like them before? Like what happened? I can't believe we're actually okay. Um, Come on, man. This is your. <laughs> this is the spotlight. Let's go. Oh my god. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. So when I w- I I did not grow up with the Beatles in any instance, and this is not anything towards my my parents or mostly my mom. She hated the Beatles. She does not like them in any way. So. I didn't get used to hearing anything by the Beatles till my senior year of high school when we watched the Beatles anthology, which is eight hours. Um, and so I watched that and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll check them out. I listened to a few songs, really enjoyed them. I was like, okay, the Beatles are really good. Fast forward to like the, I want to say December, maybe November of 2019. Um, my buddy was really into the Beatles and he basically showed me a bunch of Beatles songs I've never heard of. I went from there, listened to all of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Magical Mystery Tour, then went and decided to listen to everything that I could, watched all the stuff that I could, listened to all the behind the, behind the scenes. I rewatched the anthology. Dude, I became so engrossed to Beatles and it's still happening. Like I'm still listening to them nonstop. Like yesterday I listened to an hour and a half of a cover band just playing the white album. Come on, dude. See, and it's so important. Like cues, cues there. Cause I like, like when people, uh, Dan knows 
when they see the uh, my little library, one of them is a Beatles Bible. And what it is is because uh, um, Jeff Emmerich, the the their um, sound guy, the engineer that did a bunch of their albums, he kept yes. super duper crazy notes. And so in this Bible is every day that they recorded what they recorded, if it was background music, if it was this, what they did, every single recording session that the Beatles have had is in this book and what they did. And so I just read through and be like, oh my God, they did Lovely Rita that day. Oh my God, they did A Day in Life that day. Oh, you know, stuff like that. And the Paul McCartney concert I went to, for his encore, he did Side B of Abbey Road. He did, he did the Abbey Road medley. The whole medley to the end because he went off stage and then he came back out and they're like, what is he going to do? He just goes through the whole medley. And I then, have to tell you, Steve, oh, and not to not to like uh, drown you out or anything, Abbey Road, I wouldn't say is my favorite album, but I think it is one of the best albums to ever come out in the history of music. No question. It's not even when... Every in this every single time at the end when they say and in the end at the very end of that song the love you, it makes me tear up every single time every single time every and the fact single that and the fact that like it was a culmination and that was the last album ever made but they decided to release that before um uh help me out let, let it be, be. Yeah. um like it's so interesting to me because the way I listen to it is you you start with please please me. And then you go all the way through. And then as soon as you get done with uh, the White Album, I go straight into Let It Be. And then I and then I listen to Abbey Road because Abbey Road is the conclusion that everybody needed for the Beatles. And like it has become such a culmination of everything that they've written. I mean, you have Ringo Starr coming out with Octopus's Garden, which has hints of freaking Yellow Submarine, which really yes. brought him into being one of the staples of the musicians of um, the Beatles. Like you can't tell me that George Harrison's two songs that he wrote for that album literally aren't the best songs that the Beatles have ever had in their catalog. And the thing is, people don't give him props on his songwriting skills. They don't give George Harrison props on how good he is as a songwriter. They they kept him from like writing brilliant songs. And he put that on all things must pass because they were just like, we don't want those songs. Well, it's tough because you have the gods of songwriting. Yeah. If any any other group, George Harrison is the star. In any other group, he's the star. Mm -hmm. In this group, his songs were really, really good. And as much as I'm like, yeah, you know, I want him to write more songs. But dude, the reality is here. Here comes the sun is incredible. Um, uh, something in the way you is incredible. Beautiful but when song. You put that against. Things that Paul and John did on a daily basis, like it was like not many people by themselves can just write the songs. No one by themselves can write the songs that John and um, Paul did. And so I know for him, he brought only the best and the best just wasn't where they needed it to be. That's that's it. And it's unfortunate, but it just was the only ones that stood out were. Here comes the sun and something in the way you move. And, you know, the other ones, the, the weird ones he wrote with like the sitar, it's just not one of the ones that I'm really too into. 
And you know what? You're right in saying that because he did some weird shit because he was all into Indian music. Yeah. But you got to give within you, without you, like it's credit because, man, that that song on the album with Sgt. Pepper's, like, I think it would be incomplete without it. Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, Sgt. Pepper's, that, that was the only anchor to what they normally, like, Sgt. Pepper's was so different than anything they ever did. And mm-hmm. that was when John Lennon started kind of uh, detaching from. Well, yes, thought, yeah, was that was the different. that was the start of the end of the Beatles. Was Sergeant yes! Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and people don't understand that. Like you can tell in Magical Mystery Tear, uh, Magical Mystery Tour, there's already like a a, a rivet. Oh yes, dude. Like there's oh, a tear because Paul's in. Paul is in, and John is just like, can we do something else? And I mean, once Paul writes, um, when I'm 64, John's done. He's mm-hmm. like, look at this bull crap. He's just writing the same song. And it's almost like John sees the Matrix. Uh, uh, like, uh, he sees the <laughs> He matrix. sees through it all. Yes, like, he is, he's behind the curtain. A whole, but audiences throughout the world are just like, it's amazing. Paul's incredible. And John is like, do you guys not see how normal every one of his songs are? Like, yep. like you could just, duh, duh, duh. But, but everyone in the world is just like, no, he's like God. And I think it just got to him, dude. When John tries to do different stuff, Paul just comes in with Penny Lane. And John's like, oh, great. So I do Strawberry Fields. He does Penny Lane. And people are like, oh, Penny Lane. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's incredible. Steve, I just have two words for you. Or actually three, okay? The White Album. So good, dude. The White Album is all of them aware of what they are. Yes. From there, they literally... I think they transcend music into something that I can't even like discuss in a normal way. Like I'm trying my best to even like come up with the words, but the white album is literally each Beatle basically doing its own thing, but still calling themselves the Beatles. No question. It's, it's, it's one of those things where like, uh, they, they, it's like I told Dan, uh, like a year ago, it's the equivalent of sync becoming a real for real life-changing band they started as a teeny bopper group and Mm -hmm. turned into the most important group of all time that is insane and this and the white album is one of the culminations of it where and again george doing um george doing savoy truffle yes savoy truffle (laughs) why my guitar gently weeps like one of the best songs to come out on that album but right before that they had uh the continuing story of bungalow bill how weird is that such a weird song (laughs) But it's such a great song because I don't care if, if you guys disagree. Yoko Ono did not break up that band. She is not a horrible person. She's weird. Don't get me wrong. But she is not a horrible person. She didn't do anything wrong except be there for, for John when he needed somebody. Yeah, she didn't break him up. It was John's reaction to her that broke them up. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was <laughs> all was John. John's reaction to her. It was all it, it was all John. And I mean, Yoko was just there at the right moment because John had those mother issues that he could not get over. I mean, it's 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 plain as day in the song, Julia. I mean, if you listen to the Plastic Ono Band like album, that is all just the merging of his mother and Yoko into his life. That's true. But here's the thing. Yoko should have been like when you come into the studio, Yoko hurts her ankle. Not I mean, she pretty much is banged up pretty bad. But they bring a bed in so that she can be in the studio with. Yeah, that's at, at that point, Yoko should have been like, should we be doing this? Should mm-hmm. I be here in a bed? So she should have said something. 
But I think Yoko was so, you know, oblivious to the whole situation. And so when people are like, you know, Yoko broke up the band. No, she didn't. She had a part in it. She had a part in it, yes. John's reaction to her. And the only person in all of this that is just like, do we not see how lucky we are is Ringo. Mm-hmm. Ringo and kind of George. Ringo is like, self-aware. He loves yeah, his like, life. You do know we're rich. He's like happy to be here. Playing music yeah. in front of people, right? <laughs> <laughs> like this is crazy. And everybody else is like, no, no, no. We're totally supposed to be here. Ringo's like, do you know how lucky we are? Or no? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, he's the one that's grounded still, and it keeps George grounded. Where he's just like, yeah, we're totally lucky. Mm-hmm. We don't. But John and Paul. We're so like, no, we're so good. We're supposed to be here, which is the only reason they wrote so well is because they're like, we are gods. We are gods of this music, which is why they were so good. Because they thought they were gods. They never second guessed themselves. Like I know if like Dan walked into a studio thinking that he was a god of music, he would play totally different than if he was just like, let me look and learn from the people around me. No, John, Paul and John did not second guess themselves. They're like, whatever I just did, that's the best thing of all time. Whatever yep. I just did. And that's why. And then Paul came in and just like made sure everything was perfect. And that's why with with everything that they wrote, there are so many takes. And like you can buy album, you can buy their albums now with all these takes because John, I mean, uh, Paul was a perfectionist. A perfect. And it's on that anthology on the CD where you hear all the different takes of, um, uh, uh, um, um, shoot, uh, day in life of how John oh my was God. messing with that song for so long. And then the fact that here's how dope they were. The fact when I don't like someone, I can't be in the room with them. They were so dope that they hated each other. And Steve were to come, were able to come in and be like, I can't finish this song. I can't finish this song. Well, why don't we just put them together? Mm-hmm. That is a level of professionalism. That is so, even for them both being childish, they were able to be like, hey, you got that piece. You got that piece. Let's just put it together and call it day in the life and call it a day. Yeah, and they I didn't mean, like each other, especially at that time. They just were like, we need to get this done. Let's make it happen. And then put a bunch of songs together on side B of this random album, Abbey Road, and just call that a day. Yes. It's amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. I know we're, okay, okay, Dan. Come on in. No, it's cool. I, no, yeah, I'm so sorry, Dan. We no, don't, don't apologize to me. It's fine. I'm being quiet because I'm not as versed in, in uh, Beatles history as you guys are. So it's interesting to me. However, I will say, you know, John was like, pussy will change your life, mate. You know that's what it was. Good oh, pussy's mm-hmm. going to change your life. And that's, I'm just being real. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. For instance, when you're saying, Steve, that they, you know, Yoko had to have a bed brought in. John could have squashed that shit. And said, no. Thank you. Thank you. No, that's cool. I, listen, I love you and everything like that, but home is home and work is work. Yeah, and never the two shall mesh. And John, I, so I feel like from a, uh, obviously you guys are way more versed into this, but it's not like I'm not familiar with the Beatles. You know what You're I mean? I, I love the Beatles. I, I just, yeah. I don't study the Beatles like you guys have. But from a an outside perspective, it definitely seems like that. It seems like John to me was the one that kind of, yes, there were different dynamics in the band that were like, you're saying they all didn't get along, but they were able to kind of put things together and make it work for the sake of business. And the, and yes. because they were a brand yes. at that point, right? Bingo. What they you were just, a freaking brand, just that. like any of these brand. bands, yes. just like Maiden today or, or Metallica or whoever you want to say, they were a brand, they were a household name. And that's why they kept it together for the sake of business. But it just got to the point where 
I agree with Quentin. I don't think that Yoko was a bad person. I don't know her from a hole in the wall, but I'm just saying she didn't know when to stop asking for things, I guess, or, or in, inserting her life into their lives. And John didn't know how to control that. And he that allowed the these things to happen, which is, you know, that's where the band starts to break up. I, that's just what I think. It's what I've always thought. That's ex- what Dan just said, where Yoko didn't know when to stop asking and John didn't know when to tell her no. Yeah. That and the combination th- can yes. be... And and the thing is, I'm not just trying to be Dan for the sake of laugh about the whole good pussy will turn your, change your life thing. But I've seen this happen in with friends. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, where did he go? He's just gone now. <laughs> or, you know, why does he act different now when he's with us? When, you know, it's that kind of a thing. And I get it. It's just, it's a human dynamic. But I think that was a major part of it, man. For sure. And I didn't even think about the brand. You're totally right. Like, it was a brand they were keeping alive. And I think the only reason they they were just done with the brand, Paul was done with the brand. They're just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm done with the brand of it. He still loved the guys. If the guy, but the guys represented a brand. And he's like, I'm just done. I just want to do my own thing. And if you saw when he came out and did his first album, Having someone not tell him no isn't a good thing. Having someone restrain him was, turns out, very important. Well, I'm sure even at that point in time, they were surrounded by yes men. Thank you. Thank you. And you needed the only no person he had was John. Was Mm -hmm. John being like, that song is Tridash. You know what I'm saying? That's Tridash, man. Exactly. Like He's the only one that challenged him. So when you get into his first album, you're sitting there listening to it like, what are we doing? What? Why do you have so many tracks of guitar and random vocals? And because no one told him he couldn't. Just do what you want, Paul. Do what you want, Paul. And it turned out not to be. They needed each other more than they thought. And so it's just a, like, dude, the Beatles are so, for me, it changed my, like, there's only three things that have changed my life, really. Well, I mean, but like at the top of it, it was Stevie, uh, the Beatles, Prince and Earth, Wind and Fire. Those four things were like a game changer. And it, and out of all of those things, you know, I studied um, the Beatles and Stevie the most only because they, they did stuff that I'm just like, it seems like the best way I could put it is uh, randomly I was, I was, I was reading a Prince book. And the first thing he said was Prince was born on this day. And he put three dots afterwards. And he's like, let me reiterate that. He was born to a man and a woman and actually was born into the world, grew up and was Prince. In our brain, he just walked into the world and was Prince. And I was like, that's what I think of the Beatles and Stevie. They don't seem like they were born and grew up. They seem like they were gods that descended upon earth and just did what they did. And sometimes I have to remind myself, like, when I cannot imagine a thing being born, that just means they're a god of something. And for me, the Beatles are a god of, of what they do. They are the gods of group dynamic. Stevie is a god of soul music. So, yeah, it's like the Beatles are gods, dude. They're gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't do what they did and just not be gods. To just walk off stage and be like, from now on, all you're getting from us is albums. That is godlike behavior, ladies and gentlemen. To be like, all you're getting is this, and you're gonna love it, and we're gonna be even more popular than you can <laughs> exactly. Imagine. It's insane, dude. But if you notice, when you put all your energy instead of touring into albums, look what happens, dude. 
Look amazing. What happens. It's amazing stuff that like just like imagine Dan. Imagine if uh, Metallica never toured and just said, "Let's just concentrate on one thing," and all we did is make amazing albums. We'll never know what could happen. We'll never know because people have to while they're while they're doing their album, they have to bounce around the world, then fly back and write music, go out record or go out perform and maybe at the hotel twiddle around with a new song come back like the beatles instead they were like when they get a feeling of a new song they go into the studio without losing the essence of that song there's Mm -hmm. not a plane trip between the studio sessions they just go they'd be like i still got the feeling of that song you go to freaking mississippi twiddle around with this song do a concert come back get some sleep and go into the studio that song's essence is gone you still remember it but you're not in the same plane as you were when you were there. And so I'm like, dude, imagine if all these groups just said, you know what? We'll do an occasional concert. But we just want to make albums again. It would be amazing, dude. Except for like Bruno Mars. It's kind of like what Tool does, except that they take really long times between their album. You know, like, for instance, 13 years since the last album. But they toured all the time. I'd imagine that they were probably writing stuff and just sort of compiling it together to make this, you know, this final album, Fair Inoculum, not final, but the last album. But yeah, I, I, it's just weird. I mean, there's, there's gotta be some kind of a balance there because, yes. you know, it's just an opinion of mine or many people's, but like Fear Inoculum may not be their best album, but it is, it's a masterpiece from Tool and it should be, it took freaking 13 years to make, you know, it makes me wonder like if they, if they did that, if they like, I don't think the Beatles would have as many true albums. It just makes sense to yeah, not have that many solid albums if they were spending more time touring. So I, I kind of, I'm sort of thankful for it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I I think it would be kind of cool to go back and it would be very cool to go back and see the Beatles, but don't imagine they put a lot of work into their stage show. They were just there with the music and and the, the talent, but some of these other bands, they, they sort of depend on the big stage productions and things like that to get by. So, you know, it makes for a better concert going experience, but I, I just kind of, I don't know. I think that maybe the Beatles did the right thing by doing that because they, they left us with so much good music and it just really wasn't, they weren't into it. They weren't into touring. Yeah. And also the, like speaking of tool, how many good tool albums? Cause I don't know how many albums they make. All of them. All of them are good. And yes. are they spaced out? Uh, let's see. I don't, uh, let's see. Like I said, 13 years since the last one. Yeah. And then I think it might've been, and please someone feel free to correct me. Don't correct me. I don't care. I'm guessing around maybe five years between 10,000 days and uh, lateralis. And they don't make, now think about that. Now they don't make bad albums and they kind of just are like, we're going to take, we're going to concentrate on the albums instead of just pushing these things out. We're just going to concentrate. Look at D'Angelo. He took more than a decade between voodoo and black Messiah. And it was a classic. Because they're like, you can't do this touring, recording, touring, recording, and make good out. You just, that's not how human beings go. And I think the Beatles and like people like Tool and people like D'Angelo, where they're just like, you know what? Until I can do it the way I want to, I'm just not going to put out an album. That takes guts, dude. <laughs> that takes guts. You end up with Weezer or something like that, who are just constantly putting out <laughs> albums and they're all shit for the most part, you know? Just my opinion, of course. And of course, uh, Kevin Shanks, too. Can we be real, Dan? Yeah. You know who else put out a lot of albums? And not all of them were great? Prince. Listen, dude. Listen. Am I right? Did I get the answer right? (laughs) (laughs) 
let's just be real. He tore the grip, put out a grip of albums. Were they good? I can think of many that were just forgettable, to be honest with you. Exactly. There's no forgettable Beatle album. No. There's no forgettable Beatles out because they were just like, yeah, we're going to concentrate on on doing this thing. Now, in the like I said, in the beginning when they were doing Tita Bopper things, you, you could, I mean, Paul and John could crap out Teeny Bopper songs. Mm-hmm. That's all they did on tour. Yeah, they're just like, blah, 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 Teeny Bopper songs. These are easy to write. But once you actually wanted to grow, you couldn't tour anymore. Yeah. I'm sure, like, I haven't listened to Tool's previous album, and they're an album now. But in those 10 years, I bet their sound grew because they were able to concentrate on growing their sound. It's very Tool. You know it's Tool the moment you hear it. Mm-hmm. But this album is on another level as far as what they're doing. But it's it's completely different than what they did. You know, they turned, they used to have, they had some long songs. I mean, I think back in the day, they could do like a nine minute song or something like that. But on this album, there are no songs that are less than seven minutes. There are 15 minute songs on this album. So it's kind of a hit or miss thing. It depends on what you're into. If you like, you know, quick songs that you can kind of consume and then move on to the next one, this album is not for you. But what they're doing on this album is incredible. Groundbreaking shit. See, that's what I'm, and, and I think the more I'm in this conversation as I'm talking, we're talking this thing through, that might just be the way. Maybe we're just not supposed to, musicians aren't supposed to just tour, you know, 200 days a year, go back into the studio, record an album, tour that album 200 days a year, go back into the studio, record an album, tour that out. What if it's like touring is supposed, like a show is supposed to just be a special thing? You know, if you're not in that city, I don't know what to tell you. I agree with you, but you got to remember we're post Napster. Napster changed everything. <laughs> no, it's true. It changed everything. As soon as we were able to download music and <laughs> call it what you will, pirate music, whatever, get it on the internet yeah, without paying true. for it, that completely watered down the music industry. And now so they are forced crazy. to go out and tour and sell their merch for more expensive prices. You know, that's why you don't see concert shirts anymore. Rarely you do for like 20 bucks. You go to a big band concert, it's going to be like, not a big band concert, but you know what I'm saying? A major, major band. You're looking at like $45 for a t-shirt sometimes. So freaky. And it's so and the, funny. And the promoters yeah. are the ones that are taking all the money. It, it's so funny you say that because this this last week, um, Maj and I were having our normal music conversation and he was explaining how Drake is the biggest star in the world. Eh. Yeah, music star. He's the big, and I was like, how many, he's like, he's got streamed like a billion streams. And I said, now think about this. Thriller sold 30 million albums. This wasn't streams. This was people going to the store, putting down money, getting the record and walking. The Eagles selling 29 million copies. People went there, got the CD tape or album, left the store and went home. Yep. Those were album sales in the day. You couldn't just sit at home and stream it. Now you can sell Billy. Of course you can. But then you like to sell that many albums. That makes sense why the albums were so good because they knew in their brain, people are going out and buying this. We got to make it worth their while. They're going to the market, getting these things, coming home. Now it's just like, if you don't like one of my songs, just stream the next one. One of them is going to be one you like. I promise you. It's modern technology is what it is. Because think about before we, again, pre-Napster, Bands were doing singles. Yes. yes. Here's a single. Here's a, here's not even an EP. This is just a single off of our album. You can buy it on CD. That didn't change anything. That actually made them money by doing that. Now it's like, well, I'll just download this one song. I won't buy free. the full album. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even have to, 
or what pick your favorite ones and then yeah. that's it. Exactly. Being, and that's why I love um, like um, Prince's Love Sexy. You could only buy that as one song, the whole album, because he's like, no, no, no. I didn't make this as track by track. I made this as an experience. So it's one track, but the track is 50 minutes or 40 minutes long. He found that loophole. Exactly. Because he's like, I didn't make this. This is an album. This isn't a series of different songs. This is an album I want you to listen to. But we love skipping around. Once the, um, I remember revolutionary to me when I was younger, when we were able to fast forward a cassette and it would stop when a next song came on. We're living in the future. (laughs) (laughs) We were living in the future, dude. And so we just got so used to skipping tracks around that, you know, we don't know how to experience. Like, what's the last, I'll ask both of you, and then we can move on to movie box. Um, Last question. What's the last album you listened to beginning to end without skipping, beginning all the way to the end? Do you want me to go first or you, Dan? Yes, Q. Um, the last album that I listened to all the way through was Angels and Airwaves, uh, Love Part 1 and 2. I don't even know who they are. Hey, you guys, I'm so sorry. I did have to step away for a second. What was your question, Steve? Oh, I was. I asked, um, uh, and Q could re-answer it. Yeah. Um, Q, what was, your, what was the last album you listened to beginning to end? Um. Angels and Airwaves Part One and Two. Now I know that you might know that not know that band, but on the uh, Here's a Noise community, um, I asked a question about Blink One Eighty Two, and um, it's the one of the singers, Tom, Tom DeLonge. DeLonge. Yeah, it's his other band that he oh, now wow. is putting all of his work into. If you are a Blink-182 sort of fan and you just know the music, but maybe not the members, it's the guy who goes, where are you? The no, 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 no guy. That's him. That's That's really good. That's a really good. I (laughs) mean, I just know who they are now. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's him. Tom DeLonge. He's now a crazy person that believes in, uh, he's he's like dedicated his life to unidentified flying objects and aliens and things like that. So wait a minute. By that voice, is he the one that does that? Say it ain't so. I will yep. not go. Yep. Oh, yep. goodness. That's Turn the so lights on. <laughs> no, no, no. There it is. No, no, no. That's so <laughs> That's weird. Right with you. I was like, oh, that must be that guy. <laughs> like, for some reason, I don't know how, but in his, like, 30s, in his mid-30s, uh-huh. the man hit puberty again. And his voice has changed so much from, uh, obviously, that to... Uh, they did an album called Neighborhoods, and then he left the band. And he's been doing—he's been doing Angels and Airways for years, but this is where he finally focused all of his attention on Angels and Airways. And in 2011, they came out with basically two—a double side album—and it's got like 22 songs on it, and it is pure perfection because every song leads into the next, and it feels like it is one entire song the entire time. That's Angels and Airwaves, huh? Yeah, okay. great album. It's it's love part one and two. Check it out, people. We will. I'll check it out. They rolled through Fresno one time, and I I knew who they were, but I got to be honest, I'm not the biggest Tom DeLonge fan, but I do think the guy is talented. He's a great musician, right? The non non thing gets on my nerves a little every once in a while, but Angels never does it in this. Never does it in that album. Yeah, I've heard good things about it, so I'll I'll, I'll check it out. I wasn't familiar with them um, outside of the name and knowing where he comes from, but this particular album, what's it called again? It's Love Part One and Two. Yeah, I could do that. I like love. I love love. I can do that. What about Good. you, Dan? It's just the last album I heard from beginning to end. 
Beginning to end, no skips. Unfortunately, it's going to be something I'd already talked about because if you're, if I'm being literal, it's going to be run the jewels for RTJ four. Oh, that was the last one you listened to from the beginning and the end. Literally, yes, it was yesterday. Oh, that's pretty cool. But that's a good, solid choice, though. I think so. I think it's great. But I, I will say this though, I tend to these days as I'm getting older, I think it's just because I'm not consuming as much music as I used to. I tend to lock onto an album versus going from this and then going to that, and because and, I used to be the guy that knew all the new music. And I can honestly say that's not my thing anymore. I don't know like half the bands that are coming out anymore. It's not that I don't want to learn about them, but because of where I'm at in my life, I guess I just sort of lock onto one thing. So I got to be careful. I'm going to burn that fucking album out because I'm already like halfway there. Well, I, it's funny because I was studying the beats on it on the way on one of my bike rides. And uh, dude, freaking LP, man. Beast. I like LP, man. Like I wanted to, I have to go to uh, who sampled because I want to find out where one of the samples I actually own. I, I knew that it was misdemeanor by the silvers and uh, uh, that because someone already used that sample with it's getting funky. Well, fun, not funky enough from back in the day, but LP flipped it. And I was like, you know what, dude, LP, that's that dude, man. Listen, <laughs> there is some, that first that first song I had to listen and be like, OK, how is he? How is he doing these? The. Uh, the kick and the snare and uh dude he's just really he's really good at what he does man i don't think he's he needs to be in the conversation because whenever someone says best hip-hop producer he's not even in the conversation he should be in the conversation oh for sure for sure he should be in the conversation it's it's, even though it's a tough conversation because there's a lot of good i think that he has a a sound right now that really is reminiscent of when i was in high school and it makes real hip-hop lovers like goosebumpy when that when when the song starts, you're like, ooh! I remember when you played it on the um, on the show. I was like, guess what? I'm in. <laughs> I was like, it's over. I am in yesterday because it just reminds me of like NWA and Public Enemy. It's like, yeah, those those intros are just fantastic. But yeah, that's a great that's a great album to listen to from the beginning um, to the end. So uh, thank you, Steve. Now next, back to movies. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so. Getting back to the movies. Thank you, Steve, because we did talk about, we're going to talk about some stuff today. Now, I know that you watched 15 minutes of this. Quentin, did you happen to watch any of uh, Warrior Nun? I did. I honestly probably watched just as much that uh, Steve did. Fair enough. So our reviews are going to be extremely different. Obviously, you got 15 minutes behind you and I watched the entire thing. I got this as a screener almost a month ago and I kind of watched it slowly until yesterday when it came out. I actually had to finish the show. Let me talk about this for a second. Um, Warrior Nun, it is coming out of Spain. It was shot in Spain, and it stars a Portuguese actress by the name of Alba Batista. Uh, she seems like a pretty solid actress, but there, I do have some issues with her character, and we'll get into that in just a second. Let me read you the premise real quick. After waking up in a morgue, an orphan teen discovers she now possesses superpowers as the chosen halo bearer for a secret sect of demon-hunting nuns. I mean, automatically you should be in. Warrior Nun is an American fantasy drama web television series created by Simon Barry and based on the 90s manga-style American comic book character Ariella Warrior Nun, created by Ben Dunn. So, like, when I heard Warrior Nun was coming out, I got super excited. It's not because I've read, I have read one of the uh, issues, because there was only, like, I think don't quote me, maybe five issues or something like that. And then they had other authors that would come in and do something. But the original series, I think was only like three or five issues. And then it just stopped, stopped being in print and all of that. But I used to be heavily into collecting like action figures and stuff. I would actually go and sell them. And I was like really, really into it. I don't know how Gail stayed with me, but she did. 
And she, <laughs> and she would get to the point where like, I was just so into it. She's like, you know what? She went with me one day and she's like, I want to buy a figure. I'm like, oh, that's why I'm going to marry you. Cause now we're just going to be broke all the time by an action figure. <laughs> but so she went and she wanted to find an action figure that was like a strong female character. And that was the first one that she came up or that she noticed. And she's like, oh yeah, man, a warrior nun. That's sick. So we've had this action figure still, we still have it somewhere in our garage. And that's really my true reference from them. But I, and I, <clears throat> excuse me, but again, I did read a, a manga, like, what do you call those comics? Like a, a manga. It's not an episode. It's just an issue, I guess. Just one of them. I read that. I have to imagine that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not huge on that, but that's what I did. And it was, it was cool. It wasn't like anything that changed my life, like preacher or something, but it was a cool thing. And then I heard nothing up until this year. So I find out warrior nuns coming out and I'm totally in. Let me just give you the cast of characters real quick. You have Alba Baptista as Ava Silva. You got Toya Turner as Sister Mary, your shotgun Mary. Uh, Thecla Rutan as Jillian Salvius. Lorena Andrea as Sister Lilith. Christina Tonteri Young as Sister Beatrice. And then Tristan Alua as Father Vincent. There's more characters, but I could go on all freaking day long. I'm going to just go ahead and say, I'm going to kind of drop it into like goods and bads and then just other stuff, okay? We'll start off with the bad. Um, I think that this show is super, super slow in the beginning, like super slow. And it doesn't really pick up until about episode five. Now I've talked to some people and I've seen some things online where people strongly disagree with that. And they think that it's more of a character building thing, but personally, especially when I'm trying to watch stuff in a hurry, um, I thought that the show kind of suffered a little bit because it's focuses primarily on Ava, who I'm not going to get into the story too much, but she starts out in a very unique way. And it's sort of like a fish out of water thing for the first few episodes because she's finding her way through life. She has never had the opportunity to be a teenager. I think she's around 19 in this. You're dealing with like infatuation with people and, and new groups of people and her just kind of finding her way. And that's all fine and dandy. But if you just did like two episodes of that and kind of worked your way towards what's happening... Personally, I think it would have been a stronger show because once we get going towards the end, it's pretty damn good, man. Like it has me totally waiting for season two now, but it took a long time to get there. They just spend a lot of time with her awakening and the desire to do teen things. And, you know, she meets up with these, this group of like teen drifters and they're, they're kind of like scam artists and stuff like that. And this relationship happens that just kind of goes nowhere. Like suddenly they're just all gone. So to me, it felt like it was just wasted time getting to the good stuff. You know, um, I think some of the writing is kind of lackluster and it, obviously bleeds into the dialogue. I think that the lackluster writing, particularly at the beginning, I don't know if they had like a change of writers or something, but it just seemed like it got really, it went from really weak to being actually pretty good. one of the other things that I noticed is that the budget kind of shows up sometimes in the CGI. I'm thinking that they're kind of working with like a CW budget. It kind of reminds me of a CW show, like the aesthetic of it and just the way the acting is and, you know, the looks of the characters and stuff. It reminded me of that. So I, I think that hopefully with season two, they're going to get a little bit more money because quite honestly, the CGI wasn't that bad, but it's noticeable. But the thing that got me the most of the first few episodes is that, and you guys probably caught onto this right away. She's got this inner monologue going on and she's like, as she's trying to figure things out. Did you guys catch onto that yet? Or did it affect you or resonate with you in yeah, any way? Uh, I will say this at first, cause I don't know. Like normally when there's an inner monologue, there's a difference between her monologue and the inner monologue. Yeah. It seems like both mono, both of her talking and the monologue are on the same plane. And I'm like, whoever did the engineering for it, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it was in her brain. It felt like there was someone next to her talking to her. Yeah. I was like, this is weird. I just kind of felt like it was going, and this is for the dummies. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
that's how I felt. I felt like you weren't, you know, you didn't give me enough credit. Like I wouldn't get what's going on already. I thought the inner monologue was actually kind of lame and it got on my nerves and Gail, who we've watched it together. And even Sarah would come out and be like, is she still doing this? Like, what the hell? This actually looks like a good show, but what's up with all this inner monologue stuff? So some people dig it. I personally didn't dig that part, but I can say that they stopped that suddenly, which makes me wonder again, did they have a change in writers or did they have a meeting halfway through me? All right, we got to switch gears. You'll know what I'm talking about if you watch this, whether or not it bothers you, that's up to you. Uh, what else can I say about it real quick before I start getting into the good stuff? I think that some of the subplots were kind of hard for me to follow in this. Like they didn't, they want you to know that there's other things going on in the story and they all of course fit together, but I don't think they spend enough time character building with some of the, uh, the people in these subplots. So it just sort of left it like, this shouldn't be a show where I really had to think hard about it, but for some reason I did. I mean, maybe someone's like, they, they absorbed that whole thing. They consumed it and they're just like, yeah, it's fine. I get everything about it. Personally, for me, I just felt like I had to try a little too hard to just understand everything that was going on outside of Ava's arc. But other than that, like it knows who it's catering to. It knows their demographic very well and it caters to them nicely. And, and I, like I said, I think season two is going to be a lot better. So here's some good stuff. Warrior Nun's the kind of show that like if you're into Buffy, Vampire Slayer, CW stuff, this is going to be a show for you. Again, it has the budget to match. It sort of feels the same way. Yeah. Not exactly, but I think that if you like those kind of shows, you're definitely going to like this one. And then what's good about it is that Ava's character grows on you after a while. She seems like an annoying teenager at first. And, you know, because again, she's sort of experiencing life for the first time for reasons I'll let you figure out on your own. But it somehow works towards the end. Once it's, it's like all of a sudden she just sort of found the momentum and it worked very well for me anyway. I think she's actually pretty good. She's a really pretty girl too. I think you're going to see more from her, especially if season two pops off. Because if it goes the way I think it's going to go, you're going to get into like an alias territory with the action and stuff like that. And I think that's cool. They give you this backstory, this mythology of where the, where the warrior nun comes from. And it, they do bring up Ariella in the show, which is pretty awesome. I'm not going to say any more than that, but she does show up because I was thinking, okay, is this just kind of like a like spinoff? And we were supposed to assume that that's what it is. I'm glad that they brought some attention to that and it made it like, I think we're still going to see some more Ariella. If they're smart, that's what they're going to do. And then um, I, I just, I had like little bitches about it, little, little, little concerns and stuff. But I think that all of these kind of things can actually be improved in the next season. I think that they're, if they listen to their fans and they listen to the critical fans, Yes. Because they're not that critical. You know what I'm seeing? I'm not seeing anything on Twitter or IMDb where it's like, this is a complete shit show, but it does talk about like the, the pacing of it. And again, some people agree, some people don't, but um, let's talk about the nuns because honestly, I think the nuns are the best part of this fucking show. Like there's some really cool shit going on with them. I love their, their story arc again, like how they came to be the Ariella arc of it. Um, they possess these amazing fighting skills, which they really do show off more so in the second half. Like pretty much everything, in my opinion, gets better in the second half. Um, they were, they played it safe with their diverse cast. I mean, they really kind of wanted to make sure that everybody's represented in this. And I, I think that's a smart thing to do. But to me, it was noticeable. Although I'll say that it didn't feel shoehorned like a lot of movies when they do that kind of stuff where they want you to know, hey, we're we're doing a representation thing, much like <clears throat> Endgame. But anyway, um, what else we got? <laughs> uh, so yeah, the nuns are awesome. They all have their, their special skill sets and stuff, but some are, are a little bit more complex. And I think that when I say complex, I'm talking about Sister Beatrice, who's played by Christina Tonteri Young. Best character, hands down. She's got the best skills. The way that she talks to Ava and talks to everybody else and the way that the decisions that she makes and everything really make me want to know, like in season two, like what's your backstory? Because there's something going on with her. And if they play it smart, they're going to definitely throw her into the story a lot more, even though she's in it like 
totally all the way through it. I think that she can be an awesome sidekick or make the show that much better. And then um, Shotgun Mary, Toya Turner. She was good, but I think that she kind of suffers from a, uh, not a typecast. What's the word I'm looking for? Like they wanted to make her the tough chick. And I think that they went a little too hard with that. Again, just my opinion. She's still a very likable character, but you know, I've seen enough things where I feel like, okay, you're, you're trying a little too hard here. Let me know what you think, Steve. I'm or in Quentin. If you get that far with it, I want to know if you're feeling what I'm feeling with her. I could keep on going with this one here, but I will say that this, the season actually concluded pretty nicely and it leaves you on a cliffhanger in a way that I didn't expect. Like it was just, something happens where I'm like, Oh shit, I didn't see that coming whatsoever. And I now have to see how this part plays out. So I'm already in for season two. So in conclusion, I liked Warrior Nun. I didn't love it, but it has a ton of potential for season two. And because of like having to get to the good stuff a little bit later, just in my opinion, of course, I'm going to go ahead and give this just a little bit of a lower rating. It's 2.75 out of five circular scars. But I tell, I'm tell, i telling you, season two will be better. I'm shocked that you gave it. I thought you were going to go a bit higher than that. I think I would have if we got like, basically, I just kept going, just get to the training already. Get to the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't give a shit yes. about this, these relationships that are happening that are clearly not going to be there by the, by the time we're done. I just think they spent too much time on that. And if they hadn't have done that, it definitely would have been a higher rating. 2.75 out of five in this case, I'm pretty much just judging like a half a season. I think that's not bad. That's true. And also, it's a, a big deal is uh, the thing you said in the beginning. They know their audience. They are a CW audience. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, this is what they like. And so I totally understand that that's what they did. But that's not to say if you don't like CW shows that you shouldn't give this a chance. Just don't expect to put this on and get action right away. Well, actually, you do get action right away. You do. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm in because yeah. there was just so much action in yeah. the beginning. But then it just slows down. And you're going to get, once you start getting into like episodes two, three, and four, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Don't let it deter you because it does give you a pretty good payoff at the end. What made you continue watching it? Um, I think I had screener guilt. Ah, (laughs) You know, like I want, well, it's just that I had it and I had it for so long. And again, because I do have this slight tie to Ariella Warrior Nun, I wanted to see where they were going with it. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the same reason. But I think that's... um, I, I kind of got a thing for, for Ella Baptista too. She's a really cute girl, man. She kind of reminds me of like uh, Amelia Clark and uh, Jennifer Lawrence kind of like fused together. And maybe Nana told me this last night. She kind of reminds of, she has like a, a Helen Page thing too. So let's throw all those three things together. And I don't know, kind of works for me, but she's good. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So 2.7, what, 2.7 what again? 2.75 out of five circular scars. There we, I love that. That's the thing that got me in, in the beginning. That, that's definitely the, 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 the kicker. Did either of you get to the part, I realized with 15 minutes, there's probably not a lot you got to, where someone tried to pick up a halo? Yes. Okay, oh, I'll yeah. say no more. That was dope. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty dope. Yeah. I was like, oh, snap. that's a great way. And that's what I wish they would have, If by the what you're saying, I hope they do that with a lot of the show. Instead of using all the external dialogue, or the internal dialogue, just be like, show us. Because then be like, instead of being like, oops, that was hot. No, yeah. no, no. You just showed someone what, well, you showed, don't want to ruin it. Yeah. You showed that it was hot by showing us it was hot. So I hope that that's what it does during the show. Yeah. They need to trust their audience a little bit more. And I, it seems like they are because literally like, I think it's season or excuse me, episode five, all that inner monologue stops and then the show gets going. And it's got like this, um, 
if you're into like the mysteries of the Vatican and stuff like that, like there's some stuff there too. That's pretty cool. I always kind of have been, I wouldn't say fascinated with it, but definitely intrigued anytime that the, cause the Vatican, what's going on there? You know what I'm saying? Ladies and gentlemen, but I liked that part of it. And I think that the way that they do the, the good versus evil thing and not necessarily towards the Vatican, but just the way that they kind of incorporate all of that makes for a, a, a solid show. That's going to be way more solid in season two. Done deal. All righty. All right. What else? So is, does this bring us to, what does this bring us to brother? Unless Q or you have anything else, I think it brings us to the main event. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, Steve, this was your suggestion, buddy. So let's get your insight first. All right. So I was going through as normal, as normal. I was sitting there scrolling through the old Shatterino and a, a um, visual hit me because I had seen all the zombie movies. And a visual hit me. I was like, I don't think I've seen this one before. And it was a movie called Yummy. Yummy. <laughs> and off the, the movie, off the title, I was like, uh, I don't know, man. I kind of was like, we'll see what happens. I admit before you go on that I, I was like, okay, I'm going to trust him on this one because that title was not selling it to me. And so immediately I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's do this thing. And off the jump, it's a, uh, pretty much what it is, is it's a, anybody, it's a zombie in a hospital thriller. Do you want me to read the premise real quick? Sure. All right. Yummy is an orgy of blood, violence, and fun in which wow. a young couple, right? I mean, really, <laughs> in which a young couple travel to a shabby Eastern European hospital for plastic surgery. The young woman wants a breast reduction. And then wandering through an abandoned ward, the boyfriend stumbles upon a young woman gagged and strapped to an operating table. He frees her, but does not realize he just caused the outbreak of a virus that will change doctors, patients, and... Wow, that's a really spoiler fucking... Uh... That's what I was saying. I was like, what the crap, dude? I mean, like... I thought it was okay, like I, I as I was reading it, but like towards the end, I'm kind of like, uh, I don't like that part. So tell you what, you might not want to know this. I think you might get an edit here. I don't like the description. I think we could have left it off at a hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna actually fix that because as I was reading that, I'm like, wow, like who fucking wrote this? This is a spoiler review. All right, so yummy. Number one, this is one of the few zombie movies that I can identify with one of the characters. And it's not the, it's the character that I would imagine myself not identifying with. I'm like, this guy is the least heroic person <laughs> I've ever really seen on a zombie movie. And he keeps on trying to impress his woman, which is a normal thing, but that's what got me. I'm like, he's trying to do everything he's supposed to do. And a lot of things he's totally right. And uh, I will say that this hit all the, the point great kills good blood uh the people aren't dumber than you are like the they're doing things you're like you know what i would try that that's the best you can do you know what i'm saying in this situation and it's the best you can do um it's very claustrophobic i love claustrophobic zombie movies where you open a door they're full there you open another door they're all in there and they do a injury. I love injuries that I've never seen before. And there's a penis injury that I had <laughs> never seen anything like that before. I was like, that is such a really clever idea. Oh, now I got to change my review, but okay. Good point. Yeah. And I was like, that is so clever. Like the director really knew, um, well, this, like it was something that normally I'm like, Oh, I see where this is going. I did not. I did not see where this was going in the least bit. And after the scene, I was like, I, I wanted to pause and applause. 
and be like, ladies and gentlemen, that's a scene. That is a zombie scene right there <laughs> that had nothing to do with zombies. Congratulations. And um, yeah, again, people weren't dumber than we are. That's my main thing. They did all the things that a normal person would do. And um, uh, yeah, I, I just thought this was like, you know, in a sea of horrible zombie movies, this is one of the shining stars. I'm, I'm, I, I kind of think that the the title is going to make a lot. It's going to make a lot of people just skip right over it because it's a silly title. But um, other than that, dude, I really like this movie. I would give it. <laughs> I can't ruin that scene, so I have to call it something else. Um, I would give it um, three out of five arms and a paper shredder. Oh, that's a good one. That's like that. a good one. Yeah. I didn't see that. I was like, and the funny thing is, I loved even that where they were just like, crap, how are we going to do this? And I'm like, yeah, you better start thinking. And it made things seem very, very, um, it just, everything was happening so fast. And I'm like, oh, there is no time to be like, here's a breather. There was no breather in this movie. There's no, okay, let's get everything together, figure out what we're going to do next. No. This is the zombies in a hospital situation. Ain't no feeling what we're going to do next. We just got to move. I love that. So um, that's me. Three out of five. Nice. Quentin, what'd you think? Um, Steve, I'm going to tell you something, all right? All right. Hit me with it. So a couple years ago, you uh-huh. had me watch a film. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I watched it. I, I remember very well watching it. And I was like, you know what? I'll bring it up on another show. On my show, you know, to waste my time with that. Um, (laughs) Then fast forward a couple years, Dan messages me and says, hey, man, I need you to check out this movie that Steve. (laughs) And I said, "Okay, you got it, man. Let's do it. And uh, I put this on, Steve, and I want you to know I'm letting bygones be bygones because this (laughs) was such a fun film. Yes, dude. Nice. <laughs> I yes. loved it, man. I loved the way that everything was like. It felt like it was reinventing the wheel. Yes, in such a different way because, like, everything that happens, you would not expect to happen in a zombie movie. I mean, the claustrophobia is perfect. The way you said that, but like, the reason that they have to go there, the reason that they're stuck, and the way that they get out, and the ending. It's oh, all dude. stuff that I'm just sitting there like, no, please, God, you know, like you've been sitting there and you can't believe what is happening on the screen. And yes, the main character, the dude, what? <laughs> like, dude. You're just you're rooting for him the whole time and the world is just smacking him back down. Literally. <laughs> You know, (laughs) so I'm going to be kind of quick here. I'll say I'm giving this immediately a four out of five. I'm giving it a four out of five, man, because of you. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. I had it too. Okay. Four out of five breast reductions. And tell dude, how bad did you feel with the sliding door scene? Oh, dude. Oh, my oh, God. God, dude. <laughs> he was so, I was like, he, look at him coming up with this smart invention. This is dope. And then she's like, calm down. Yeah. I was like, oh, Let's go. God. Oh, God. That was such a heartbreak. I was just like, why is this movie doing this to me? But man, then- the way that the girl, uh, like I said, no, not big spoilers, but the way she lures that guy because she knows he's blackmailing her. 
But how about the manhole finger? Oh, man. You, you, <laughs> shut up, Steve. You know what, Steve? You've had your turn, goddammit. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, oh, I gotta my keep, God. You're making me change in my review. My review oh, thing. I was time. shaking my hand like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah that that was one of the scenes for me where I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I've seen things like this before, but in this particular situation, that's fucked up. And, oh, it, and it what happens so afterwards? Yeah, 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 it, yeah. It, Yes, I was just like at that point, and I don't cringe in movies. That part when I saw and how lackadaisical the soldier was like, "Hey," I was like, "No, he's no, 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 no." I was like, "Dude, whoever the director is, just like, hey, let's make them let this would be really cool if we did this, right?" We're like, "Yeah, it would be okay." Dan, Dan, what do you think about it? So I don't have a bunch to say after what everything yeah. you guys have said, but I will say that this was like, I'm going to agree with you. This was a really, really fun movie. Like I was laughing the entire time, but at the same time, I'm like, Ooh, that's nasty. It had pretty much everything you want in a zombie movie. Like if we're talking movies that have to do with gore, there's not a lot that you really like. It had blood, <laughs> gore, zombies and titties. Like really, what yes. else do you need in a movie? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, and, yeah. and the titties are part of the movie. Like that's like, they're the star. So it's, it's, um, it's just like, it's like, uh, you know what it is? This movie's punk rock to me. Like the way that it, it executes yeah. everything and, and um, the pace that it goes at and the fact that it takes things that are norm or like horror movie norms and just tweaks them just enough to give you something new. That's fantastic. I mean, not to jump all the way to the end, but I am going to jump to the end. The ending of this movie was a huge surprise to me. Like I, I, it was a Gail put it this way. She said it was refreshing because it was like, the, I'll just say that this doesn't normally happen in movies, the ending. And I thought that that was a really cool way to end, you know, to, to cap it off. But the kill scenes are fantastic. The humor is great. And the fact that they can merge these two together, it doesn't quite give you something like return of the living dead kind of humor, but it, there's definitely a dark humor going on with this. I'm in agreement with you. I was rooting for the boyfriend the entire time. Um, you know, all the way up till the end. <laughs> yes, I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. And there's, there's a couple of parts where speaking to him where it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're going a different direction now, but you know, things happen and, and uh, he shows up again. Um, there's this little like lizard creature thing that's oh, in dude, it. Dude, that scene. And I want to know something. Was that CGI or puppetry? Bro. That was it, CGI. It had to be. I, did I don't it not know, man. You out a little bit, like, oh my god, like it made me like, oh, that is a lizard thing. Yeah, like normally I kind of went, oh, that's sort of silly, but it worked in that setting, dude. Mm-hmm. And dude. maybe no, it it's a little perfect. bit, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of both, though. Q, maybe it is mostly CGI, but the way that it was moving sometimes made me kind of go, that's sort of like practical effects to me. I don't know, but I liked it. It was just again something kind of new, not necessarily new, but placed into a, a familiar setting that just did a little something different. I kept wanting to know what's going to happen with this thing. Like, why yeah, is it there? It, you don't really know why it is, but you don't really need to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm going to just kind of echo what you guys are saying, but I think this movie was super, super fun. Uh, I actually gave it a lower rating at first, but now that I'm talking about it and realizing that this thing hit the mark exactly like, like again, much like a warrior nun, this movie mm-hmm. knows who it's catering to. And yes. that's why it gave you that little bit of extra punk rock that I, that I really like in a movie. It was different. It just felt, it just felt fresh to me versus a lot of the horror movies that I see where it's like, it's very formulaic, uh, somewhat predictable. It's not to say that this movie didn't have some predictable parts, but it just works. It's a fun movie. It's a little bit of a lower budget movie 
And if you can just get past that, I think you're going to enjoy the hell out of yourself watching Yummy on Shudder. Don't let the name discourage you. This movie fucking rocks. I'm going to go ahead and give it a four out of five. Uh, okay, I was originally going to say the first injury. I can't say that now. I'm just going to go ahead and go with, I'm going to go with four out of five manhole injuries. That's it. Oh, mm. dude, that, here's the thing. I love the fact, uh, there's a part in this movie where a one person wants to get at another person and she calls them into the room. I didn't know what she was doing. Yeah, that was. I was like, what is she? I said, this is smart as hell. Like the director was like, what hasn't been done before? That hasn't. And then she's so cavalier. Yeah, that was silly. I liked her character. Oh, no. I love, gee. Me too. The whole time at the end, I was like, I wish I could watch another hour of this. This was really a fun, like, foray into this world. And this is how, here's, like Gail said, it's refreshing because this is how it would happen. This is how it would go. There's no, oh, you know, whatever happened, everything's fu- No, no. This is how it would go. By the time you realize what's happening, the things are on you and it's spreading. I love it. I loved it. I loved it. And I loved the, um, a certain per- person that I hate gets his comeuppance in a way that I loved. I said, Amen. man, oh, it was such a good, co- I said, this is a movie. I freaking loved it. I hope people watch Yummy. Dude, Shudder's coming up. Yeah, their originals are fantastic. I watched a movie uh, recently called The Golden Glove, which is a German film on Shudder. Loved it. And I found it because they do like the streaming uh, 24-7 or whatever on like one of the tabs. And oh, yeah. The, like the TV's going. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just kind of like press play. And I was, I was like 10 minutes into the film already. I didn't know. But I just kept watching it. And then... As soon as it was over, I was like, oh, my God. And then as soon as it was over, it started up again. And I literally just got to watch the first 10 minutes. And I really loved it. I got to watch it because I keep on seeing it coming up on my my uh, feature tab. like, And it's that weird dude. Looks like he has a broken nose or something. I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I should click on this and see what this is all about. I just I have to. I just haven't done it yet. Steve, I, I will say it. it's it's a rough watch. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. I might I, have to take a week then. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to, I've already done it. I've already done it. I, I, I would say let Dan watch it first and then let okay. him let him like kind of tell you because he knows you a little better than I do. And I don't know what you can all take. So I don't want to like be like, yeah, man, watch this movie. And then you're like, wow, I'm never going to talk to Quentin ever again. Did, now, was it did it disturb you? Um, Yeah, sort of like it was just it's such a weird movie that I mean, it kind of feels like it was made in the eighties, but it was just like with updated cameras. I'm serious. Like that's kind of the whole flow, but it's a weird movie, man. That's all I can really say. Well, that kind of makes sense actually, because I I'm just reading the uh, premise right here and I don't think this is anywhere as revealing as the last one, but it just says a serial killer strikes fear in the hearts of residents of Hamburg during the early seventies. So there's your aesthetic right there. that older aesthetic. I, I assume that's what you're getting at. Yeah, exactly. Or is it just a filter on the film? There wasn't a filter. It was like they did such a good job of making it seem like a 70s slash 80s movie that it didn't feel like any of the actors were even of this time. Like with the way wow. it was, was acting. Now I got to watch it. Now I have to watch it. Yeah, I'll check it out too. Crime, no drama, question. horror. I like that shit. Came out in February of 2019 and it's a German film. Mm-hmm. I'm all over it. Also, last thing, question for you guys before we get out of here. Um, are we getting to the point where we're going to have to just buy movies? Because I, I was like, 
because you know with Dan doing the movies everywhere and Voodoo, I was at a certain point I was wondering like what's the point of having that when we can stream everything? And last night I was in the mood after watching that documentary. Um, I was in the mood because they have a they have one of the documentary segments is on zombies and where they came from and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm in the mood to watch the Dawn of the Dead from like 2004. And I was like, you you can only rent it. So I'm like, should we just start buying movies that we like? Period. Just to be like, you know what? There's not going to be a time where everything you want is streaming. And if you're in the mood for Dawn of the Dead, there you can't just be like, ah, I guess I'll just go ahead and watch this instead. No, 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 no. That's the only thing. You, so do you buy movies, Q, or do you normally rent them and just be like, okay. Or do you just say, you know what? I might as well buy it for $7. Um, if it's like a cheaper movie, like you were just saying, $7, um, I'd usually just buy it. But I've rented, uh, I got this kick where I wanted to watch like really old, not old, but like older horror movies like Rosemary's yeah. Baby and The Omen mm-hmm. and all the Exorcist movies. And I just rented them. I didn't buy them. Yeah. But uh-huh. the Chucky, like the Child's Play movies, all five of them were on there for like 20 bucks. And this is all from my Xbox app, Microsoft or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just bought it for 20 bucks. Like, it, so it, it kind of depends on the price okay so but if you if you're like you're not one of those that are just like oh no i'm just renting and i'll just wait for it to get on streaming sometimes you'll just say i want this in my library to watch anytime i want yeah i mean i could kind of in a in a way like i i don't know i'm i'm really weird when it comes to movies like scoob came out i wanted to buy it because it was literally maybe like six dollars more than just renting it yes um and i was like do i want to have this movie forever like am i going to really enjoy it i don't know maybe i just like renting more because that's all i usually do is just rent that's what i and what about you dan are you a renter or you'd be like you know what if it's four five six dollars more i'm just buying it it depends Even on the movie you haven't seen it oh yeah that's what i'm wondering it just about. really depends on the movie like i'm not just an insta buy because i may watch that movie one time and just never pick it up again <laughs> right can i tell you can i tell you a cautionary tale that might yes, actually please. incriminate yes. me but in the end, I lose out. Okay. So this is, I'm just going to say right now, this was coming straight out of ignorance what I was doing. Okay. I had no idea that I was doing anything shady or anything like that. But in, in retrospect, okay. I think I might have. Uh, Steve, you've probably reaped the benefits of this. But um, there is a, uh, okay, you've, Voodoo. We know Voodoo. Voodoo used to be yes. associated with Walmart. Now, not, I okay. don't even know how this works. Again, this was totally my ignorance here. Okay. I just want to put that out there. And in the end, I lose. So when you bought a physical copy of a movie, to my best understanding, when you bought a physical copy of the movie, they would give you something called an InstaWatch. The InstaWatch is a, is a code that you have, and you can redeem it and have a digital copy of it too. Okay? Yes. So I jumped onto the site, and I was like, oh, I want to start my movie collection. And I legit thought it was like, I mean, now that I think about it, it totally makes sense. But I just was thinking, oh, okay, cool. This guy's going to sell me a code for cheap. And I bought a fuck ton of codes, man, for very, very cheap. And I gave some away and I, and I, you know, I think I even gave you one. I think it was like bad boys for life or something like that. Yeah, I have it. I, still have uh, it. I wouldn't I don't know if you do anymore. Steve. Oh, <laughs> so, sniff. so what happened was Walmart sold voodoo. They sold voodoo to Fandango. Okay. That made all of these Insta watches void, which I just found out on Monday. It's been a hell of a week. So just without warning, it makes sense because what it is, I found out it was that the people that that were selling these codes found a way to kind of like, for lack of a better word, hack the system where they could duplicate the codes. 
So they're selling codes for like two bucks, three bucks, things like that, but making money hand over fist. Now Mm -hmm. I'm kind of pissed at the person that was doing this to me because I don't know. It seems to me like they would be aware of this, but at the same time, totally my ignorance. And, and I just have to fault myself and take the loss on this one. How many movies do you think I lost on Monday, Steve? Oh no, Dan. Take a guess. Oh no. And this includes about your collection. This includes like collections of movies too. So if I say one collection, that means like maybe possibly six movies in that collection. I'm going to have to go with at least 30. 30 is the exact number of movies I lost, Steve. Dude, that is so many movies. Broke my fucking heart. But at the same time, I'm just putting it out there. Like I didn't mean to do anything that wasn't legitimate. It was completely out of ignorance. That is a lesson learned. I'm just glad I wasn't spending like $14, $19 for each of these movies. So to answer the question that you asked me before, I used to like to buy movies when it was convenient for me. But now that I know what I was doing, I'm not entirely sure I'm going to be buying digital copies anymore. I think I may end up oh, going back to physical copies. Well, here's the really? deal. Yeah, because if you have a physical copy and it's, you know, you have a, uh, well, just that situation alone. Suddenly the company that sells this digital copy to you or, or distributes this digital copy out to and I'll explain exactly why that happened, but they have the power to just take them away from you. From what I That's understand, true. all That's these movies true. you purchase on iTunes, movies anywhere, Vudu, you quote unquote own them, but you don't really own them. I remember I bought something, something dark side, which is a family guy spin on star Wars. And it was a three part mm-hmm. thing. I've had it forever. One day it was just gone. That was out of iTunes. So these mm-hmm. companies reserve that right to just take these things away with you without any explanation at any given time. That's totally true. I lost so many glee episodes. Oh, but that's okay. You grew from it, man. You grew from it. You're okay. <laughs> well, I know I know. technically they don't consider, like from the company standpoint, they're saying you're not buying it. You're renting a license. For yeah. Support. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Which is trash. So, <laughs> Which is trash. I mean, I, I feel really stupid. I feel legitimately duped because I should know better, you know? But like what was going on where these, these people found a way to hack that particular code. That code is tied to their email address. So maybe in the end, they'll get it. If they do some kind of investigation on it, they'll end up getting theirs. But they were like, okay, well, why does this guy have like 50 codes for the same email address, the same movie? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're doing any investigation or if they just decided to cut the losses and kind of let things work itself out. But there are so many people that are pissed off about this. And I learned a lesson. So cautionary tale, ladies and gentlemen. I know that a lot of people, there are like debates online of of people saying, okay, do you have your library online or offline and many people that love movies have them offline because they're like the tangible thing you can never take away from me like i have a copy of it whereas online let's just say there's a glitch in their system it's gone yeah there is no sorry uh, yeah sorry we don't know what to tell you it on that on those hundred pages that you agreed to before you signed up for our thing in one of those pages is this might happen. You know how you just you scroll down real fast and hit accept? <laughs> That's your loss. That is your bad, no. your fault. 30 movies later, here we are. Dude, it, were any of the 30 things that you're like, I really, really, Dude, really want to watch Dude, the Aliens that. collection, Mission Impossible oh, collection, um, oh. like Karate Kid movies. I had the Evil Dude. Dead, uh, what was it? Ash versus Evil Dead series. It just goes on and on, dude, on and on. Matter of fact, I had a code thinking I was being a good guy. Speaking of easy, I was, I sent him a code. 
And I'm like, here, man, have uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. I just happen to have an extra one. It's all yours. And he's like, oh, cool. And he's like, I, I can't get it. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe he just doesn't know what he's doing on there. So I found out that that was the day that they actually pulled everything. Oh, so he, uh, he just was like going to avoid when he clicked on the link. But, you know, you live and you learn, guys. You live and you learn. Yeah, sure. But it seems like movies anywhere. I would say buy the DVD or Blu-ray at this point. Mm-hmm with the movies in, or the voodoo link or movies anywhere uh, code, but just don't buy the code by itself. Like I bought once upon a time in Hollywood. I knew I was going to buy the, the actual Blu-ray and just happened to have the code that comes with it. Yeah. Just to watch it anywhere I want to. But yeah, these, these companies movies anywhere might, might, they might, they might go out tomorrow. All of your stuff is gone. All of it's gone. Yeah. I don't know if Brian remembers this, but when we were in C2E2, he was talking about how he likes, it was just a real quick conversation, but he was talking about how he likes to have the physical copies. And I had mentioned, yeah, it's cool, but like, I don't have the room for it anymore. And that's, that was really the main reason was having the room for the physical copies. But now it's like, I, I would rather have a, a cramped area and still have my product than, than just, oh man, that was nice when I had it, you know, yeah. but this one's so- on me. Like I just, I'm not even asking for any form of sympathy. This was completely my doings. It was my ignorant move, not really looking into what it was. And I lost out on it. So do you not do the site that you used to do anymore? Um, I will, like, I'm going to hey, take it down. Yeah, it's, it was a Facebook really? group that I'm taking down only because now I know. Well, you can. Well, we'll talk about that later. But apparently people still, still let their codes yeah. go from their physical copies. That's different than an InstaWatch. InstaWatch was like this agreement between Walmart and, excuse me, Walmart and Voodoo. The other people have like the ones that come in your physical copy. It's like a piece of paper with a code on it and they sell those. Again, probably not legitimate. I'm just being honest with you. They're not going to sell it. They're going to sell that for more money, though. Uh, sometimes they do, but other times they don't. But oh, really? I think the take home is that it's all shady and it's probably best, like especially since I'm on a microphone talking to you people, just stay away from it. Do what you want to do. But in the end, you'll probably end up losing out. There's a movie That's that true. I may buy. I was thinking about renting it. I may just rent this one because I've seen it before. It? Tell me. Have you ever seen the movie Kids? Yeah, with a Rosario Dawson. Okay, okay. Did you like that movie? Did it did it resonate with you? Don't give me any plot or anything. Did that movie in some way, shape, or form resonate with you? It resonated with me. Especially, It was a mind blower at the time that I watched Okay, so you guys can expect a dedicated episode to kids coming up in a couple of weeks. And we'll, is that true? Yeah, that's already set in motion. And quite honestly, the reason that you don't know about it is I was like 100% sure you were going to be like, oh, no, can't do it. I really did. Okay, you got to tell me who was who's going to be on this podcast. That's uh, a surprise. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> what? It's a good panel. I'll tell you that much. No, well, here's what I'll say. I think you should have that panel because I don't know it as well as y'all do. That's for well, sure. We're all I don't know it as well. As you. It's a rewatch, and you know, because I watched it for certain moments. Do so you want the day I off on that one? Yeah, handle it. Enjoy it. I was going to put that one on Patreon, but I think I'm going to actually put that one on the regular feed so you guys can hear it. Because if you haven't seen Kids, you're not sure what this movie's about. I will tell you that I saw this movie, well, right when it came out. So I think it was 1995 and that movie's still fucking with me to this day. So when I found out it just on voodoo, all things that it was going to be rentable, I think it was rentable on July 1st. I was like, yeah, I, I got to do this. I have to go back and see if this movie is as fucked up as I think, as I remember. No, it is. It is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to go any more into that because we're going to dedicate a whole show to it. Yes. Great. Yeah, I remember uh, my friends and I had many quotes from that movie. Mini quotes, because that's just one of the only DVDs we had at the house would watch it. I will tell you that without saying anything about this character, the character of Casper has me haunted to this day. Terrible, dude. Terrible. 
had me worried. I'm just like, that could happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. that could happen to anybody. Yeah, that was a good, it was a really good, uh, uh, that's going to be a fun, that's going to be a fun episode, dude. Well, publicly, I apologize for not including you. I was for sure you were going to be like, nah, that's, that's not my cup of tea. Well, no, it's, I think it's a better, I think for you guys that are really into that movie. It's not so much that we're into it. It just fucked everybody up and we want to talk about it. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think because I like, I, we, I watched it a million times, but that was like in 2000, that was like 90 freaking seven. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh yeah, I don't remember that movie that great. Do you know what week you're doing that on? We'll be recording that on the 12th. So that week, no heroes for me. Uh, I didn't say that. I mean, you said that's a main show. No, I just said it's going to be on the main feed. Steve wants a day off. I'm going to go to Hawaii up in this hey, mug, you man. need a day off, buddy. I got you. <laughs> Have fun, man. Hey, this was a great show. It was fan- had Q. Yeah, I really enjoyed coming on. Q, I, I'm glad that you got to get your Beatles stuff out. Because I feel like you've been, it's been really like building up and you wanted to share it with the world. I just wanted to share it with anybody because my wife is tired of hearing the Beatles. And I, <laughs> I feel bad for her. I really do. You know, you know what's funny, Q? They're going to be doing the kids' podcast. Maybe we should do a Beatles cast. Bro. Why not? Q, are you ready? Bring me on. We'll talk every album. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the next voices you're going to be hearing are Q and the dude, Dan. I love you guys. I had a great time today. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to Q, the dude, the man, the, the, the myth, the legend. And the next voice you're going to be hearing is Dan the Madison. Peace out, guys. All right, Q, we are wrapping it up, man. But before we go, do you want to let these good people know where they can find your show, how to get a hold of you and all that good stuff? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter. I am on the Heroes of Noise community group. So please join that, not just for me, but for these wonderful gentlemen here. Um, I'm on Twitter at ChadVader14. You can find my podcast on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the real. And that's R E E L not R E A L Zodiac. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it'll be on iTunes. I promise, but you can find us everywhere else. iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, we just got done with toy story and we'll be moving on to sci-fi soon. Nice, man. No spoilers though, right? You're not going to say what you're going to be reviewing or do you know yet? Do you at least know what you're, where you're going with this? I'm going to go ahead and spoil one of them. Dude, we got Nana, and we're going to be talking Matrix. Oh, shit. Hey, another little thing, man. Nana, when you hear this, uh, he probably already knows this now if you read it. About 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, you know what? Nana watched all of Warrior Nun. So, you know, the time difference from being across the pond, I hit him up, but I guess he was busy. He never got back to me. So Nana Pratt would have been on this part for the whole Warrior Nun thing. Nana, we're thinking of you, buddy, but I can't wait to hear you guys on the Matrix mm-hmm. show. So I'll be listening for sure. I'm glad you guys are back. Thank you. So wait. Yes, sir. Wait a minute. Dan. Yes. So you're saying you hit up Nana and he didn't respond to you? Nah. Which is weird because Nana's like, I think he lives in Facebook. Uh-huh. Finds it interesting. So sometimes oh. <laughs> it turns out that people have other things to do and they couldn't Oh, respond, I see where this huh? is going. No, no, no. I'm asking you. He didn't because you needed him for something. And he didn't. I not necessarily needed him. I just thought maybe he would like to enjoy the conversation. Yeah, I would think so too. Anyway, go on. Okay, that's bad blood right there. You sound like Taylor Swift right now, my friend. (laughs) We love you, Nana. We love all you guys. You guys are fucking awesome. We love our listeners so much. Thank you very much for listening week after week. This is 118. I mean, like, 118, that's saying something. I know there's a lot of uh, bands. There's a lot of podcasts out there that have 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of show. But I, I'm just so happy that we've gotten this far and that you guys have come along for the ride. You are awesome listeners. Thank you for all of your support and everything that you do to encourage us and to keep HON growing. I said HON. I started it up right there. Felt a little bit weird. Heroes of Noise is what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Q for showing up. Thanks to Steve for always being good and all these wonderful movies. Thanks for the screeners. Thank you. Just thank you. All right. I feel like Alanis Morissette right now. Thank you, India. Thank you. Uh, whatever. I can't even think of the lyrics right now. My name is Dan. <laughs> My name is Dan Ramirez. Ladies and gentlemen, be good to yourselves. Be good to the people around you. Peace. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,